What's up, everyone? Happy Friday night to all of you. Hope you're having a great start to your weekend. It's Game Face time at Sifted Games on Sifted.net. And without a doubt, we have an awesome, awesome show for you guys tonight. It is wall-to-wall -wall games, no filler, all fun. And uh, we have a ton of stuff to get to, otherwise the show's going to run over, so I want to get to it quickly. But before we go, a couple of bookkeeping things. First of all, football season's coming up. I know a lot of you do not care about football at all, but we have a fantasy football league that's been running on Sifted now for a couple years, and we're coming up on the season we're starting to get our draft together and we lost a couple players. So we are looking for at least two new people to join Sifted's Fantasy League. Uh, if you're interested in fantasy football or maybe you just wanna try it out for the first time, last year we had a couple people who did it for the first time in the league. If you're interested at all, just at me uh, through DM on Sifted, at Shane. Let me know you wanna be in the league and we'll try to get you in. Uh, another note, Pactor Factor is going on a little bit of a hiatus. Pactor just left to go literally on a month long vacation. <laughs> Uh, and we did not manage to shoot before he left, and he is gone. He doesn't get back until like the first week of August. So, Pactor Factor. September. Yeah, oh, September, yeah. yeah. So, um, we're not going to have any shows for the next couple weeks. However, we do want to take this opportunity, this little hiatus, to maybe think about reworking the show. So, if you have any ideas on what you'd like to see out of Pactor Factor going forward, we have been doing it now for like 100 plus episodes, kind of the same way we've been doing it. No shorts. Yeah. <laughs> If you have any feedback on what you would like to uh, see changed about Fat Pactor Factor or things that we could do with the show, feel free to leave it in the comments on the site and we'll take them all in and see what we can do with it. So with that out of the way, let's get straight to the show because I have a feeling we're gonna have to really rush through a lot of this stuff to get it down to our usual three hours. There's just that much to talk about. We're gonna kick things off with a game that is on my fantasy team, Matt. Yeah, I, I forgot about that and it's still surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is a strategy RPG from Sega. Um, the series has kind of fallen out of favor for the last half a decade. No, 2 and 3 were terrible. So. Yeah, and they were only handheld, right? Yeah, I think it was PSP and Vita. And I don't think 3 even came here. Yeah, I don't think it ever did. 2 did. I have 2 on the PSP. I think it was PSP or maybe it was Vita. One way, it was awful. It was. I love the first one. Yeah. Um, well, the first one was heralded. Like Yeah. It was one of those games that was kind of a sleeper hit. People didn't expect yeah. much out of it. Didn't look like anything else. Uh, scouts were broken, but hey, it was still fun. Um, and it, just, it didn't look like anything else. It had like a different feel to it. Um, it was sort of a, you know, it did fantasy stuff. It was sort of like a fake, it's like a fantasy-ish sort of almost diesel punky take on World War One, And... Uh, I mean, I have a couple friends who loved it so much. Like one of them, one of them it's his favorite game of all time. So uh, there's a there's a definite fan base for this thing. Um, this one I haven't actually played this one yet. I know there's a demo out where you can play like the first chapter and a half or something like that. And like this the the yes, yeah, I've, I've been playing the demo. Yeah, so the and like the, the it's like Octopath Traveler where the the progress carries over into the final game. Um, but I haven't had time to play it. Um, but I've heard that this might be. A return to form of sorts. So full disclosure, I did not play much of the first game. Uh, someone else, it was at, when I was at Game Trailer, somebody else reviewed it. I think it might have been Mike Damiani now that I think about it. Um, so I played, I took it home after he had finished reviewing it and I played, I don't know, probably four or five hours of it. And I am, I do like strategy RPGs. It is a genre that I generally enjoy. 
But I have not enjoyed my time with this game, Matt. Hmm. I have not. Uh, you're, you're right. Like, they let you play a decent chunk. I think all told, it probably took two hours for me to play through the whole demo, something like that. Uh, you play through a training mode at first, and then you play through the prologue, and then you get to play the first full mission. Um, and just so you guys know how it kind of works is, is you have a map screen, and that kind of shows you the layout of the battlefield, and then you can see all your units. Um, and then you kind of decide how to deploy your units before the battle actually starts, where you want to put them, um, and then the battle starts proper, and you take turns attacking. But what's different about this from a lot of strategy RPGs is it's not on a grid. Mm-hmm. You can run and move anywhere you want to. And the idea of that sounds... Like you have a limited amount of space, you know, like a the range. Battlefield you, you have is, a range you can run around in, but you, you're in real time. And in the, I don't know if it's the same in the first game, like you get a hit while you're running around. You can, you still can. Like yeah. it mattered where you're using cover, where you were sending your character to be. And you could run out of like, basically you had to run out of move points in real time and get stuck somewhere real uncomfortable. You can, yeah, it still works that way. And I'm fine with that. I like that. It makes it feel more active and more mm-hmm. alive. What I don't like, though, without the grid, is that there's a lot of wiggle room, I guess, is, is, the, word, is the phrase I'm looking for. Like, um, you have to drive tanks in this game. But mm-hmm. the hit detection is really bad. So if you're trying to skim around an object, because b- basically with each unit that you have, you have a set amount of movement mm-hmm. that you can make. And so what you end up doing is you try to cut the corners and be as tight as you can so you're not using up any of your, any of your movement because a lot of times what you'll do to avoid what you were talking about is you'll move into position, you'll fire, and then you'll move into cover so that you're not stuck out there where they can just blast you. Mm-hmm. And so you want to try to save that movement meter as much as you possibly can. And so you try to cut corners. And what you find is that things that you think will give, will give you cover will not give you cover. Um, you, you'll bump and grind around objects that you shouldn't even be touching. You can see clearly there's like two feet of space in between like your tank and, and a fountain, say, hmm. and your tank is still grinding along it and kind of burning up a lot of your movement time. And so ultimately, after I spent a couple hours with this, I was like, you know what? I think I would actually, now I understand why these games are built on grids, I guess is what I'm trying to say, where you know that square or that hexagon that you're on is either in cover or is out of cover. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you go to the map screen, if you are in cover or say you're laying prone in the grass, it will have a little bit of a little icon over top of that character to tell you. But when you're out in the game world and moving and say you maybe you ran out of movement, you don't know if you're in cover until you go back to that map screen to tell. And like you said, if you're out in the open, they're shooting at you all the time. That's the other thing that's different about this is that most strategy RPGs, when it's not the enemy's turn, you take zero damage. You're mm. never getting attacked. In this game, you're getting attacked the whole time. Um, story-wise, again, something that normally pulls me along in strategy RPGs. I've only played the first couple hours, as I said. But the story in this game is really not connecting with me. Mm-hmm. You basically play as this young commander in this battalion of soldiers. You're trying to prove yourself. Um, your battalion itself is trying to prove itself. It's not really battle tested. And that's about as far as I've got. But the writing is not great. The jokes tend to really fall flat. Again, it's one of those cases where maybe in Japanese the jokes are funny or the gags are funny, but when it's translated over to English, they're just kind of not hitting the mark. Um, there are tons of cinemas. You get cinemas and you also get the talking head bit with text. 
which is, again, t very typical of Japanese RPGs. The graphics engine, if you can't tell, this game is gorgeous. Uh, it kind of features this pastel-y, kind of washed-out, mm. watercolor kind of look, and there's also kind of this grain that's over everything in the game. Um, it definitely makes the game look unique, and I, I will say I've never seen a strategy RPG that looks anything like it. Um, so to me, that's the strength of the game, although I think if you actually went like polygon for polygon against a game like God of War, it's not going to hold up very well. It doesn't have a lot of effects, but I feel like its art style does a good job of kind of smoothing over its rough edges graphically. Mm -hmm. It looks um, a lot like the first one. Yeah. And as you said, like there are certain units that are way more effective than other ones. Yeah, like in, in the first game, like there were missions where you didn't even have to fight. You just sent it. If you if you had a decently leveled up scout, they could run so fast and so far that in like three... Because like a lot of times in the first game, like the point of the mission, the, the win state of the mission was to get to a certain point behind enemy lines, not to kill everybody. And you just send a scout running up and they move, they'd move so fast, like within three they turns, they'd, keep be, up. they'd be there and it'd be, the, game, the mission would be over and you'd get like an S rank for yeah, it because yeah. you did it so fast. Well, part of this um, is kind of... Now, like I, don't, I don't mind. I didn't mind that so much because like that's just a, that's a choice of how to play. Like you don't have to play that way if you want to like grind out the fighting. Uh, and that's fine. I did that a lot too. But like that was a thing in the first game. Was like, you know, if you just had a bunch of scouts, like maybe one guy with a bazooka, you pretty much were set for the whole the whole campaign. Yeah, even in the limited amount that I've played of this, it's kind of that way. Like a big part of this game, and now you're seeing the map screen. A big part of this game is is taking over encampments. So you're plopped down on the battlefield. You can look on the map. It'll show you where the encampments are. Once you kill every soldier in that encampment, then you take it over. And then you can start spawning new soldiers from that encampment. Um, and so far, the you know, I've only played the first couple battles, so I haven't got to the point where I really have to kind of put the game through its paces hardcore. Um, but the way the game works is after a turn, everything kind of re refurbishes, refurbishes. Like the enemies get their some hit points back, and you get hit points back too. So part of the strategy in the game is finishing a turn with a kill. Because some of these enemies, if you don't kill them and then you, it becomes a computer's turn, literally their health will go back up like 70% or whatever. And that is part of the strategy that I've really enjoyed is that you have each turn matters like big time. Like mm -hmm. in a lot of strategy RPGs, like I'll just waste turns sometimes. I'm like, whatever, another turn's coming. In this one, you really can't do that. You got to try to finish off the enemies because if you don't, you're basically going to have to tackle them all over again. And to your point about units, it's kind of the same way in this game. Um, like the, you mentioned the, the bazooka guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The rocket launcher guys in this game are really all you need because like a sniper, their rockets can shoot a long ways. They can also shoot short. They can also take out artillery and tanks. They can take out cover and it's like one shot, one kill. So they try to encourage you to use all these units that have like crappy shotguns or like a machine gun. <laughs> it's like, why? Why would you use any unit but a bazooka? Because yeah, like it, early in the the first game it was basically because that's all you had. Right. But like if, once you were able to build up a a, a, a full complement of the the classes you preferred, like unless somebody got injured, there wasn't really a reason, to, or you were forced to use particular characters. They give you the full group of classes right out of the mm -hmm. gate in this unless the demos tweaked that makes sense i don't think it is if it carries no over. i think that makes sense because you said you're leading like a battalion yeah. kind of thing because in the first game you're basically part of like a ragtag group from a, a small town that's basically you know caught up in the war and decides to push back because they capture a tank yeah. and um so it's more like a, it's it's basically like a bunch of high school kids fighting for their their hometown and, and the the defense of their country kind of thing like 
you know, like they're tired of being pushed around by the big militaristic empire sort of thing that's been invading, and they fight back, and that's kind of the story. Um, it's it's a pretty stand. It was a pretty standard, uh, you know. I must fight for my family and the people I love, but I don't want to fight because violence is wrong. But I'm really good at it, so I have to do it. And it's you know, it's like it's, they haven't got to that yet. In I don't know way. if that's going to be what this is about. But the first the first game had a lot of the whole like. You know, we just burned through f like 40 dudes and three tanks, and now we're going to sit on a hillside as the sun sets and talk about how it's so horrible that war must happen, kind of thing. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're going to get that far into it on this one, but uh, that this was. This one it. is kind of basically a, a reimagining of World War II. Yeah, the first one they was kind of like a diesel punk World War One. It's like bit. Europa instead of yeah. Europe. Like they just kind of changed the names a little bit. Um, and obviously, you're fighting against what would be the mm -hmm. Nazis in Germany in this. Um, one thing I would say is, because the map screen is really important in this game, it, it actually was driving me crazy. And I don't know if it's something that I overlooked or I just never figured out. I paid very close attention in the training, but when you're on the map screen and you're trying to select a unit to then take control of, for whatever reason, the cursor will not lock onto the unit. Literally, I've just swirled in circles around the units trying to be able to select them. And what I've had to do is act like I'm going to pass on my turn and then say, no, I'm not going to pass on my turn. And when it goes back to the map, then I can select the units. Hmm. I don't know if there's something weird I'm missing, but I've not been able to figure out why the game does that. And because that is the crux of the game, it became very, very annoying. And I think, honestly, what bothered me the most about this game, based on the limited parts that I played of it, was that it is so slow. Like, you see the battlefield, and the map helps a ton. You know exactly what you need to do. You know what units need to go where, you know what units need to attack, which units need to sneak around the side to capture something. But then trying to actually execute that plan is, like, excruciating. Mm. There, it's just not a streamlined game, I guess is the best way I could put it. It just feels archaic and old. Hmm. And maybe the first game was that way, but first I don't... This game probably wouldn't have felt as much that way because it was... So long ago. God, I must have been almost 10 years right. ago. Right. It's been quite a while. And things have changed. Like, even with strategy RPGs, they've been honed and polished to a fine sheen at this point. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this is kind of a throwback. And keep in mind, I'm saying all hmm. this about a game I drafted in my fantasy team... And I hope that it ends up reviewing very well, and it very well could. I think it will. It feels like it's... I haven't, I haven't seen it firsthand, but it does feel like it's going back to the, the drawing board that one sort of established, because, like... Oh, it's two, very much like the first two, one. But, like, two had a whole thing. I mean, it still played the same, but, like, in terms of, like, the moment-to-moment, -moment, like, you know, strategy stuff. But, the, but two was a prequel, and it wasn't really during the war. It was, like, a military, like a military academy, and it was, like, kind of almost, like, more like a high school drama game that happened to have like really inconsequential strategy sequences and like if I remember right it was like the same like 10 to 20 missions over because they were like academy like training missions basically and, like mm -hmm. you just had to grind them out over and over to get like, your, your characters up and it was just it was not a good scene it was also they, they shrank the scope a lot like it wasn't like you know, you get a pretty large force in, in each battle on these, and I think they cut that, like, in half or something. Well, now with and, like, the that's kind of That's you, part of the, the appeal yeah, of yeah. the first game, at least, was, like, you had this big force, and you could you, know, you do mixed unit tactics. And so that's one of the things I always liked more about stuff like Fire Emblem and Shining Force was that you had a bit... You, you know, you had 8 to 12 
characters on your side and you could really build a force that had different classes and work together and you could split your force and do different things whereas like something like you know, I never liked Final Fantasy Tactics very much because you had five you have five characters and that's it and you can't really do much with that yeah um, so that was kind of part of the appeal but when you when you shrink that down to the, the portable system it uh, it lost something and then three I never played because it never came here and it got panned even harder in Japan than two did uh, so I, I'm, I am hoping this, and then there was another, it was like another one, like a Valkyria game that was like a spin-off or something, came up for PS4 like last year oh, yeah. or something, and just got leveled in the reviews. It yeah. was, you know, I, I have that, but I never opened it. <laughs> so I, lo- I love the first one, I just sort of been waiting for this series to finally figure itself out again. I was hoping this one might be it, but it sounds like I gotta download this demo now. Well, here's the thing too, is that all the tools that you would need for a great strategy RPG are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, all the enemies have weak points, like the tanks. Um, you, actually, you can see right now, see that yeah. blue thing on the back? Like, that's its weak point. But it also kind of makes the game absurd because what I found myself doing was just running my whole party in behind the tank, leaving the bazooka rocket launcher guy out front so he could attack it from the front, and then all the people with just the, the normal guns would stay in back and just shoot the blue box. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's not wrong in terms of, I mean, that's that's standard, you know, uh, you know, standard flanking tactics. It was just silly. It's like you see like five people standing behind this tank and then the one guy yeah. in front shooting it with rockets. I don't know. I, again, I maybe I had not played enough of the first game to know mm-hmm. that it was like this, but the first game to me did not feel this cumbersome and grinding as this one does. There is a lot of grinding in the original. I mean, it's 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 if you don't enjoy the actual strategy gameplay and doing it over and over, it's it's like Dynasty Warriors. It's like you better enjoy whacking things Hacking with a stick. Hacking and slashing. Yeah. 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 Um, but if you do like it, it's it's pretty much the only game in town. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't put it on the level of something like like an XCOM Two. Yeah. Um, which is a different take on the same idea. But it's it's definitely its own thing. Early at least it, you know in terms of speaking of. Speaking of my experience with the first game, which I played twice, and uh, the uh, and like what this looks like, which looks very much more along the lines of what I'd expect a sequel to the first game to look like, as yeah. opposed to the the other ones. Um, like I'm I'm not like what you're saying like doesn't like super put me off it because it like it feels like a pretty reasonable reaction to the first game as well. I would say um, if you delved really, but it is ten years. It is, but. You know, I can still play Shining Force too. Yeah, that's true. But like, um, I don't know. I, it would be different if there was like a whole subgenre of Valkyria Chronic Valkyria Chronicles likes that I'd just been playing in the interim. But this might. I'm hoping this feels like a return to form that like of a game that I haven't really played an equivalent of for a long time. It just feel feels to me really clunky, and I feel like I could accomplish these missions in literally like twenty percent of the time than what it actually takes to do it inside the game. Um, some of the feedback in the game, like as far as like the HUD doesn't give you as much information as you'd like. There's just lots of little things that started to add up for me that by the time I got to the end of the two hour demo, I was like, I really don't have much interest in going back and playing this. Hmm. Um, so look, you may be different. And the thing is, is you can go download this demo for yourself right now. In fact, I think it's on I think the demo is available for every platform, even Switch and PC. Yeah, it went up for just about everything. Yeah, so no matter what you own, you can go and check this out for yourself. You can play it this weekend, try to figure out if you think I'm crazy or not. I would love to hear your feedback. 
uh, because it did start to drive me crazy after a while. I'm like, why? I just found myself saying why hmm. a lot. Like every like 10 or 15, I'd be like, why are they blah, blah, blah? Why is this game blah, blah, blah? Why did they set it up that way? It, it just seems like everything could be way more streamlined to make it way more user-friendly. And look, there are some people that may like that style of a game. I, I just personally don't. So Give the girl some pants in the snow, for God's <laughs> sake. It's with you people. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, the, I felt like the story and the plot wasn't really grabbing me. The characters weren't really grabbing me. The comedy and the gags weren't grabbing me. And so I guess I was just kind of grasping at straws to try to find something that I liked about the game. And I'm a big XCOM fan as well. Um, the first XCOM I played literally for like 100 hours and then played like the expansion after that. Um, XCOM 2, I still haven't spent a ton of time with, though. Yeah, this one, I mean, part of the reason XCOM, the modern XCOM works is uh, that they've got that metagame kind of driving yeah. you forward through it. And this, as far as you I know... You mean the metagame as far as, like, raising your soldiers? Yeah, and the raising... the whole home base And the whole thing. home base and, and, yeah. and you know, developing your equipment between, you know, you've got a reason to keep moving and kind of going around the, the, you know, things keep popping up around the globe and you've got the, the doom track kind of happening. Uh, you know, there's a lot more happening to kind of keep you, keep you propelled through, through the campaign... Uh, this, this, from what I've seen, feel, seems like more of a very standard kind of strategy campaign without that sort of layer to it. Yeah. But, like I said, you guys can go and check it out for yourselves. Uh, it's on every platform. You can download it. It's not a big download. I think it was like 4 mm -hmm. gigs or something like that. So even I think for uh, the chat's saying that uh, it's not, the demo's not on PC. Oh, it's not? Yeah. Well, I thought it was. So PC's the only one that it's not available Looks like for. It. It, is, it is coming out for PC, it but just hasn't it, been it doesn't launched. have a demo. Gotcha. Uh, but again, the file size isn't very big. So on Switch, I know a lot of you guys maybe haven't got a micro SD card and you're still working with that really small size. Uh, it shouldn't hurt you that bad. I will say this though, I bought a micro SD card for my Switch during Prime Day. I just got it yesterday. It's a 128 gig card. Plugged it into my Switch and it did its thing and it only it has like 90 gigs. I lost like mm. almost 40 gigs somewhere. Uh, so the formatting. So I can do that. That's insane. Like I have a, I have a 256, I think, or a 200, a 200, I have a 256 uh, card in mine, and I think I only actually get like 235 from it. So yeah, so about, you lost about the same amount. Yeah. Wow, that's insane, dude. I don't know dude, what. Dude, do you know how much space that is? <laughs> like 40 gigs? Yeah, I don't know why you need that much space for whatever. It might be reserving it. So for kind of like copying and patching, you still need to put that data somewhere while you patch in or whatever. So like you, if you filled that up to full 250 or whatever, you wouldn't have enough room to download a patch and apply it to uh, games that were already like right. installed. It's like a buffer that they I think that might it. be what the, what the idea is. I there. was like, wow, I'm glad I bought a 128 gig card. If I bought like a yeah. 64 gig card, which I almost did, I would have had like 20 gigs. That's insane. Yeah, it's, it must be reserving a partition in there for, for some kind of usage. Odd. Anyway, that's it for Valkyria Chronicles 4. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about probably the biggest story of the week. No, it's definitely not. Um, it's definitely the loudest story. The loudest. Of the week. It's the one that had the, that generated the most discussion, the most yeah. heated discussion, the most social media action probably amongst gamers. Um, and that is that IGN's review for Dead Cells ended up being plagiarized. Mm -hmm. It was penned by a new employee who had just started working. Who is? She'd been there like nine months or something. Had it been nine months? I, I, from what I read, like, it, the, the, the I reaction... I remember when Jose left. 
Well, yeah, but that was like I a while did. ago because because uh, the reaction was that nine months ago when he something left? like that. Like the react. Well, the reaction that I was reading online was like it was split between people who were like freaked out about the review and people who are like, does this mean they'll fire him? And like that Nintendo it was it Nintendo voice chat. I think is the the yeah. like there were a bunch of people that were like they don't like didn't like this guy on that and uh, they were like hoping that this would get rid of him so they could get a new host. <laughs> On Jeez. the Nintendo, I'm like that's cold. That is but cold. Like, but like, no, I think what I saw, what I was reading was they were talking about like like eight nine months ago or something okay. like that. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long since Jose left. Um, so to tell you the story, to fill you on exactly what happened, um, IGN's review went up, had a huge score, and then a YouTuber who had also reviewed the game watched IGN's review and said, "Hey, wait a minute, that sounds a whole yeah. lot like a YouTuber who had had his, uh, his name is Boomstick." And he'd had that review up for a couple weeks. Like he, he was one of the only reviews up right. for a long time. Yeah. And he saw IGN's review and was like, wait a minute, that sounds a whole lot like mine. Started investigating, mm. and sure enough, it sounded a whole lot like his. Yeah. Matt, how do you feel about this? Are you blown away that somebody would do this at like IGN? I'm blown away that someone would do it for a video game review, period. Like, yeah. Like, like, I, don't, I mean, I've written a lot of game reviews in my time, and I've written more scripts for game reviews. I mean, yeah. more than I could remember. must be hundreds, literally hundreds. Yeah. And first off, I mean, obviously this is a fa- function of how long I've been doing this, but, like, I could write my own review script for something way faster than I could steal it from someone else. I know. Like, because like, then you're talking about, like, you know, copying down this because I assume there was no transcript anywhere of this thing so he had to listen to it and no he had to like listen like, to like, it and transcribe yeah. the review yeah. to then turn into his review and like it's just I mean I, maybe he didn't play it long but that's the other thing is like it's a Dead Cells review and I feel like you can get a pretty solid handle on how Dead Cells works in like an hour and a half you know and we, we're going to talk about Dead Cells next as you can see yeah. by the graphics so we'll get but into it's the just like game, it, but. it just boggles my it's like on so many levels it's like a it's a video game review it's pretty simple just tell me what you think about it uh, you know no problem it's like a three four minute segment I mean and I didn't read the text review because that was gone by the time I found out about the news, they already pulled it down. Yeah. But I saw the video review and I saw Boomstick's like side by side comparison, which early on is kind of like, oh, I mean, I mean, they're kind of like sounds like any video game review. And then as they keep going, you're like, oh, oh. No, the farther oh. it goes, it was the like, more it be just the terminology becomes. becomes the same. And the yeah. most damning thing about it to me, as someone who wrote has written literally hundreds of these scripts, is the structure is the same. The like order the, like of the order of the, not yeah. just like the each paragraph is about the same thing in the same order. Each sentence in each paragraph is about the same part of that subject in the same order. Yeah. And he's mixed the words around here and there, but like structurally it is just identical. And it's like and I mean look, I used to write most of the scripts uh, on Xplay were written uh, using the uh, the written like web review as the basis, like we you know you pay the freelancer who somebody in house would write that review, and you as the producer would get the review, and then you'd turn that you know 800 or so word review into a four minute script. Right. And so, like I'm very familiar with taking someone else's words and digesting and them, into them into something else, a script. Yeah. But even when we did that internally, you were encouraged to make the script your own. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You just want you know you just had to keep the opinions the same. Right. And like. It's weird because the opinions in 
in the IGN review were voiced in such a similar way to the opinions in the Boomstick review that to me it just like it was a giant red flag. The whole I mean, once you got past the first introductory things in that comparison video, I was like, oh yeah, like it's it like was, he. You said this earlier. It's like he tried at first. Yeah, at first it se seems like he was rewording things more. And as the script goes on, he just stopped doing that. He that gave up. It just started to be the same adjectives, even. And I think it's the like the big the wrap up paragraph has like it's it, there's like a stretch of like seven words or so that's just the same. Like, like it's he, just, and it's like and it's not like he's rewritten the conclusion. At least use different like superlatives. Yeah. You know, like there's got to be a five different ways to say like awesome, and you just but you just said I mean it's not I don't remember exactly what word he used, but like. There were a couple words that are like, just the fact that you use that word is not a common word to suddenly pull right. out of your head. And like yeah. the fact that all these uncommon adjectives are all in the same use place. Use your thesaurus, it's, bro. Like yeah. if you're going to do this, like at least try to like cover your butt. Which made me believe at first that like, how could someone be so stupid to do this? And at first I was like, maybe he didn't do this on purpose. And it's just this crazy coincidence. But once I started like really digging into it, it became obvious. Mm -hmm. IGN fired him. He's no longer employed there. And then today, was it today that he issued his video? Yeah, like right before, while, while you were setting up the cameras, like I, like I saw that he posted like a five minute response video doing this, you know, doing the usual thing for like the YouTube apologies do where like he's, it starts with him sighing really heavily and be like, wow, guys, you know, here we go. And he's got like the shaky voice and like maybe he was crying earlier. I don't know. Yeah. But like he basically says he takes full responsibility for it but he did not intentionally plagiarize anything. And I'm like, well, which is it? Yeah. You know, because you either take responsibility for it or, what? or you say you didn't do it. Like, there's right. two, that's two different things. And then he throws Jason Schreier from Kotaku under the bus saying that, like, he wanted to kick him when he's down and, like, wanted the clicks from his name being popular because Schreier had a thing on... Um, he found that he had done it before. He found that he did it before on a FIFA review yeah. from, like, longer ago, like, last year or something. And he and he's just basically saying like Shire like made it up or something. I, I, he basically says that Shire was just looking for clicks. You can't make this stuff and up. Like, and then and then in the, in the he tweet uh, was it Philip it was it Philip is his name? Yeah. Yeah. And he tweeted um, Flip. Philip. Phil, Philip with an F basically. I don't yeah. know if it's Philip or Philippe. I don't yeah. know. But he um, he tweeted like here's my response and the first re reply if you look on Twitter the first reply is the guy who wrote the FIFA review that he's ripped off and he's like <laughs> how dare you sir kind of it's it's a it's a it's a slam. Oh. Look, look it up. It's pretty good. The thing that amazed me was like the 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 comments on the YouTube video were full of people saying, "Oh, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, you should have gotten another job. Plagiarism. You don't get another shot if you're nope. in, a, in a writing career. Like that's not. This guy also has a like the, degree in communications. Yeah, he is. I mean, he was. I don't know. If At was, some point, he would have been taught not to do this. Absolutely. I mean, that's one. I of mean, the you first, shouldn't need to be taught. Other than write for your audience, the second thing you learn is never ever steal someone else's right. work ever. So, what do you think happened here? I don't know. I mean, I, I you've know. been around editorial teams long enough to know the lay of the land and how it all works. I mean, in theory, I guess I could think that he was up against a crazy deadline or didn't have time to play the game. But he did a live stream of it last week. He clearly played it at some point. The game is, but, we'll talk about it, the game's hard. Yeah, but like, it doesn't, being, you don't have to finish the game to know how, I mean, I wouldn't expect most people that review this game to totally finish it if they're on a deadline, because this, I mean, this, how long this game takes to play is very, it's, it's relying on two things. 
how good you are at this and how lucky you get with the items you yeah, pick up. Yeah. Um, well, when, when you got here, I was actually on my best run of like the whole week. Like I'd gotten through like two Did bosses. Did I ruin it? No, I, I, I'm still on it. I saved. Oh, okay, uh, good. I saved right before the next area because I'm like, oh, I'm not not tackling some new place. Nope. Uh, <laughs> when you're distracted. Waiting for, waiting for the show to start. Yeah. But like, um, but I feel at this point I've been through like like six or seven areas and I feel like I've I've got a handle on what it is. I could write a, I could write a video review script for it if I need, if I had to. Yeah. Um, I certainly wouldn't need to look at anybody else's. Uh, and, um, like, I feel like maybe, I mean, I guess maybe he was up against a crazy deadline and just had to get it done, and so that was what he decided to do, but it's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, your, your, uh, your editor, whoever's the, in charge of the editor, whatever, if, if there even is anyone supervising him at I that see, point. See, I think that's part of the problem. Um, well, let's, let's talk about IGN's perspective on this. Um, do you fault IGN for this? No. I mean... A lot of people are going to. They're yeah, going to say, you, oh, that's IGN. But well no, it's not. Because it's not. Like, You're because you can't right. yeah. like and you know, full disclosure, I have written some stuff for IGN in the last couple of years, but like not for not for their review stuff. Right. But like you can't expect an editor in chief or whoever you know, whatever you're calling your reviews that, editor. You can't expect your reviews editor to know the script of every YouTube review of something that's ever yeah, been put up. Impossible. I mean, like, there's no way he would not. But if you're the person doing this not the reviews editor, but you're the reviewer that decided to lift this work. Have you been on the internet? I know. Like someone's gonna see that real fast. Really like mind-boggling. And also, Boomstick had like eleven thousand. I mean, now he's got like thirty-five. I mean, he like tripled his he subscribers. Exploded, yeah. Um. So good for him. Yeah. Uh. In you know, getting something good out of this. Well, look thing. at it this way. Like, his content was good enough for IGN. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Nobody who read that Dead Cells review was like, "Oh, this is poorly written." Or no, like, I was like, "Oh, let's find out what this guy thinks about more things." Yeah. Yeah. But like, um. You know, he had like 11,000 subscribers, I think, when this whole thing, before this all started. Yeah. And it's like, that's not an insignificant number. Like no, someone, huh? someone who watches that and reads IGN is going to put two and two together. Yeah. And sure enough, they did. But it's like, and actually he did. I mean, Boomstick did. But like, um, I don't know who brought it to his attention or if he saw it himself. But like, the idea that you're going to do that and no one's going to find out in this day and age, in this medium, is ridiculous. So I don't know what he, I, I, I mean, on one hand, like I can come up with a, like a theoretical timeline of how Philip ended up doing that, but I don't have any kind of explanation as to why he would think he'd get away with it. Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is, you're, you're absolutely right, and I completely agree with you, that IGN, there's really nothing it could have done. I think you, they did everything hire, right, right on this. You'd I mean, have to they, hire they an army down. of like yeah. 50,000 people to vet every review in order yeah. to avoid something like and this. And they're not Nintendo, yeah. so... They can't um, do that. And you're right. Post finding out about it, IGN did everything exactly as it should have. Um, it didn't fire him. They didn't fire him right away. They investigated. Once they figured out that, yes, this is in fact plagiarism, they let him go. They took down the review. They're redoing the review. It's done everything right. Here's the thing, though. The guy's been there eight or nine months, roughly. We don't really know. Something like it's that. It's been something like that. IGN does not have an editor-in-chief. When the last editor-in-chief left, they never rehired the position. And so if you're one of the smaller editorial guys there, you're just starting out, you've got your foot in the door, you need guidance. You don't need guidance to have somebody tell you, don't plagiarize. But 
When you're in, in an editorial environment where you do have a superior, you tend to mind your P's and Q's a lot because every day you're working to mm. impress your senior editor in hopes that you get bigger assignments, you're reviewing better games eventually. When you first start out, you're generally reviewing the crap that no one else wants to review. Yeah. So when you're in an environment where you have an editorial leader, you're working to impress that, that person all the time. And I feel like if this guy were in that environment, he probably wouldn't been as quite as apt to be so blatantly deceptive. Mm -hmm. And also just like not, I mean, like maybe if you're in that, if you're on the, you know, cause I, they also got to remember, stuff... IGN has cleaned out everybody. Oh, yeah. All the leaders of IGN editorial are gone. Marty Sleva just left. Mm -hmm. uh, we, there's like a couple guys that left like a few months ago over kind of the whole sexual harassment thing that was going on there. There's no real editorial leadership there. Most of the people that are left there are on-camera guys who have been around long enough to know better and can mm -hmm. probably lead an editorial team, but that's not their job. Well, you wonder, like, if you're on the inside of that, because I've only done like contract stuff for them. If you're yeah. on the inside of that, like day in, day out, maybe you're thinking like they, they output so much content every day. Maybe you're thinking like, oh, no one's ever going to notice. Like no one's paying attention to individual stuff enough to see it because internally you're not. You're, you, you can't keep up with everything everyone's doing. So how could anyone else? But, but I always... also have the data. And right. you can see if you work at IGN, I guarantee. I mean, our biggest reviews at Game Trailers would do, I think I... Uh, I think my review for GTA 4 ended up doing like six or seven million views or something like that. So you can imagine the type of numbers that IGN does for its reviews. Even, I'm guessing, that Dead Cell review mm -hmm. probably did like 200,000, 300,000 Just views. in the short time it was up. Yep. Yeah. And you see that. If you work on the editorial team every week at your editorial meeting, you're looking mm -hmm. at numbers because you're trying to figure out how to maximize your time to make sure you're getting the most views possible out of every piece of content you create. At least with my editorial teams, I would bring all that data into the meeting. I'd show them. Because telling them is one thing, showing them is another. If you're going to, because people come to you and say, hey, Shane, I want to review this really obscure game. And it's like a 30 hour game. And I would say, is that worth your time? And they'd be like, well, I think it's a really cool game and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but is it worth your time? Because we can get a freelancer to do that. Mm -hmm. And I can have you working on something else that's going to do more views than that. And if they fought back, I just pull out the data and I'll be like, okay, what game would you compare this game to? Okay, whatever, this, this game. I'd show them, okay, well that game so far has done like 40,000 views total across everything we've ever published for it. And then they're like, I get it. Okay, let me mm. move on to something else. But if you don't have that person in charge that you're constantly interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis mm. and you go into this big meeting every week where you're pining to review a big game and maybe fighting to review a big game. Although I would argue that Dead Cells is a pretty big game. I mean... Certainly, what, I mean, obviously that's sort of in contrast in, 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 in light of how this summer has gone schedule-wise, but it's also a big... I mean, he's, he, and, you know, he's running the, the Nintendo beat, so you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's focused on Switch stuff. Switch stuff is mostly just ports right now. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I mean, I, I don't feel like you need a supervisory situation to know that this is a this is not a solution to whatever your problem is. I always think of um, uh, it's an episode of the X-Files called Fallen Angel from the first season where he, where uh, I think it's Fallen Angel where uh, Mulder meets uh, a guy named Max from from a, like a from NICAP it's an enthusiast UFO hunting organization and uh, he knows who Mulder is and he's like oh I read your your article in whatever magazine about this is the, the and uh, and Mulder says, oh, I, 
didn't I published that under a pseudonym. I don't know. He's like, yeah, F. Luter. It's a it's a, a FM Luter. It's a anagram for F. Mulder. Like you didn't think that would fool us, did you? And and Mulder says uh, says I guess I didn't really think anybody was paying attention. And Max says somebody's always paying attention, Mr. Mulder. Yeah. And I have always thought that 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 line repeats in my head at all times whenever I'm doing almost anything. Yeah, yeah. It's involving the internet especially. Yeah, yeah. Someone's always paying attention. And it's forever. Mr. That's the other thing about the internet. Yeah. It's forever. Yeah. You can take it down, but it is never going away. Someone's always going to be able to dig it up through the Wayback Machine or Google Cache or whatever. But and Any, look, Anyone who's tried to monetize a, a video with Nintendo footage in it should know that. And look, I agree with you 100%. I'm not saying IGN has any fault in this whatsoever. I'm just trying to figure out how someone could do something so stupid. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And look, I've had people working for me do some really stupid stuff. Like, stuff that literally blew my mind. None of them have done anything like this. Like, I had one guy working for me one time. I reviewed a Zelda game, and we had gotten it like a month and a half early. I had finished it. I was working on writing my review. The person came to me and said, hey, can I take Zelda home and play it? And I was like, sure, I'm done. I've captured all the footage. I'm just finishing up the script right now. Enjoy. That weekend, I get a call from Nintendo on my personal phone. And they're like, yo, bro, somebody that has your code just posted the entire game on YouTube. And I was like, what? They're like, literally, from the opening cinematic until the ending, Somebody just posted in like 200 parts the entire game. And I was like flabbergasted. And the game had not come out. It still had not come out for a week. And this person put it up publicly and pointed people towards it. So I have had employees go total nuclear off the reservation. And I still cannot believe that this guy would do this. I cannot believe it. At first, I was like, okay, well, maybe he's a new hire because I knew he had come in and kind of replaced Jose Otero. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe he got a deadline. He couldn't hit it. He was a new employee. Yeah. I mean, he's new-ish. I mean, there's people that have afraid. been there for 20 years. It's and not... it's like I said, like a big thing in editorial is who gets to review the big games. I remember one time I talked to a girlfriend of one of my employees and I asked her, I'm like, hey, seriously... I want to know what my guys think of me. Because they'll never tell me that. They're always going to say that you're awesome because you're the boss. And they know that you control some things as far as their future. And I asked her, and she's like, they love you, but they say you take a lot of the big games. Hmm. That was their complaint about me. And so what you're reviewing, what you're actually working with, is a big deal in editorial circles. And so I could see where this guy may say to himself, well, if I miss this deadline, I'm never going to get big games at this place. Mm -hmm. and maybe that kind of played into it a little bit. I don't know, dude. I am completely at a loss. Again, this guy had a communications degree. I don't know. And it's just, I, I can't imagine a deadline crunch that would have been bad enough that would have convinced me to... Like, it's just, even if you the had game barely... Is hard. Even, but even if but. you barely played the game, and you just had to kind of, like squeeze wing out it a, off a, of like wing it off of like a couple hours that's still better than plagiarizing the review playing 10 minutes of the game yeah and writing your review based on 10 minutes of that game is better than plagiarizing. Yes. there's nothing worse than what just happened yeah and look the guy deserves to be fired um he made a stupid maybe he's just not cut out for editorial because if you get to that point where 
you are, and if this is hypothetical, but if you if he got to that point where he was like, oh crap, my deadline is at eight in the morning tomorrow. I've played this game for four hours and I can't get past the first boss. I can see where that pressure starts to build mm-hmm. and he starts thinking, I'm the new guy. I just got my foot in the door here. And if I don't hit this deadline, still, like if you get to that point and you still make that poor of a decision, you're probably just not cut out for the job. I mean, that's really what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Um, like there's I, certain I mean, places where you just have to have some self-control. Yeah, I mean, I, that ha- sort of happened to me with Demon Souls, where I, I got the review for that to do the full, you know, the web, re- like the actual written review. And the pressure, by the way, I play- on X-Play was more intense than anywhere. Yeah. Because you had those shows stacked. Like yeah. a week You had advance, to make those shows. You have to make that show. And so if you don't have that review in X-Play, mm-hmm. there's you, a hole. Yeah, you've blown up the whole episode. Oh, it has to be rewritten. Oh, and the whole show team hates yeah. you because all the raps have to be rewritten. Somebody else probably has to jump in and produce yeah. an extra segment to fill in the hole. Yep. That's not the way it is online, though, man. No. Like, you missed that day. Sucks. Because you did have a content plan. And look, as, a, mm-hmm. as an editorial leader... You would sit down and say, okay, we want to make sure we have content for every week. We're going to do this Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday. But on, like, it's not a deal breaker, though. Right. But on, like on Demon's Souls, I played for an, an evening or two, and I realized I can't do this. Like, yeah. I can't get through this. Like I don't know what I'm doing, and it doesn't work. And I, you know, I, hadn't, I hadn't figured out the Souls thing. A lot yeah. of people Nobody had, had yet. <laughs> and I, so, I went, so I was senior enough that I went back to my boss, and I was like, I can't do this. Like this game is not for me. Like if, if I review this game, I'm basically going to say like I it's couldn't get anywhere. It's fucking would. garbage. Right. I hated it. And yeah. like and I feel like this is not what this game deserves. I'm not going to be able to give it. You know, a, it's, it's got, the review is going to be about me, not the game. Right. And um, so that so I was senior enough that they were you know they were like okay cool well you know we've got enough time to like reassign it to somebody else and they did. I never done that before. That's the only time I ever did that. I ever if t- there's ever... one game where you would get the pass, yeah. that would be it. But I think like if you know if, if that hadn't been the case and I, they would have been like no you got to do it you got to do it I would have what, what would I have done and I would have like I would have gotten as far as I could and I would have written honestly this is what happened. Yeah. Like it, I would not have gone and stolen somebody else's review like that would never occur to me. Yeah. To, to, it's, it's also like I just I, I mean I pretty much have too much of an ego to steal somebody <laughs> else's right when it really gets down to it it's yeah, like yeah. like I'm, I'm still in my own head pretty sure whatever I crap out is going to be better, better than what most other people wrote <laughs> on that and that's just that's what you got as a, if you're in a creative that's position that's ego is a good thing yeah if you're in a creative position you kind of have to believe that whether it's true or not or you'll never get anything put on the page yeah, you yeah. Know? you're right you got to believe in yourself until you're done, and then you hand it in, and then you think about how terrible it was. Well, or it's, your editor crushes you and right. tells you that you're terrible. But editors generally don't do that to me. But like, I always expect it to happen every yeah. time, no matter how many. You know, it could be a guy who's never given me a note in five years, but I still am like, oh, he's gonna hate that. Yeah, every yeah. every single time I send something, I'm like, that was garbage. But that you know terrible. what? That's what makes your writing better. But it was my garbage. Right. Absolutely. It was your garbage. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Uh, the answer, I don't know. I, IGN needs an editor-in-chief, first of all. Do they not have They do not. Like they, hmm. You cannot run a site that large with so many outreaches and so many... I mean, IGN has so many little things going on. You need somebody there that's the rock that people can go to. Like, for instance, maybe he realizes that he's in deep crap. And he's like, I'm not going to hit... He had nobody to go to to talk to about it. It's like if you're an assigning editor or you're a managing editor or you're editor-in-chief, you build the relationships with your guys and your girls so that they feel comfortable coming to you. So when they get in, and you like it. As the editor-in-chief, it feels good when people come to you and are say, hey, 
I'm in trouble here. Can you help me? If you want, that's what you're there for. Um, and I just don't think it would have hurt this situation if there were a leadership, a person in a leadership position on the editorial team that this guy could have gone to and maybe averted this complete disaster. But one thing I will say is anybody who's blaming IGN for this, you're completely wrong. IGN did everything it could have uh, to prevent this, which is really nothing. There's nothing you can do to prevent this. But no, like you can't know everything everyone wrote about everything. Like this. But where you do have control is once it happens, how do you react to it? How do you, how do you solve the mm -hmm. problem? And hopefully IGN, I mean, I don't know what you do going forward to try to avoid this. It's not like you're going to hire like well, all these no, people. Well, no, but I mean, hopefully just like, hey, if you do that, we fire you. That should be like, enough. Like, that should be yeah. enough. To, I mean, also like... But you should have known that already. Right. That's that's the, that's what happened. I mean, you get thrown out of college for that. High school sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you get thrown out of school yeah. for that. I mean, there's, there's websites you can just, you know, where teachers can just paste their students' essays in and it'll spit out anything that, you know, they yeah. any anything that like, you know study sites or cheat sites or whatever like there's there's ways to do that now which yeah. is like when i was in school like that oh, no, when exist. i went to college the biggest selling point from the fraternities to get me to join their frat was we have every paper hmm. they're like you won't have to do anything we know every professor every assignment and we'll just give you the papers and you can just turn them in and back then the internet existed but there weren't databases mm -hmm. full of term papers where they could go and just do searches to try to find like matches. And uh, that was what the frats all used when they tried to recruit me was, dude, you won't have to write a single paper the whole time you're in school. Like, cause the frat had been mm -hmm. at Temple for like 80 years. A lot of pr my professors they the, they were like- a locked file cabinet with a, like everything. Exactly, yeah. they absolutely did. They took me up and showed me. That was like, a thing. Yeah, the time. yeah they absolutely. showed me, look, look at all these papers, dude. Like anything you could have to write something on, we have a paper, and if you don't feel comfortable completely cribbing it, just rewrite the thing. Like, mm -hmm. that would never fly now. No. And this guy should have known that this was not going to fly. In some ways, he was kind of smart. At least he didn't, like, take someone else's text. He probably figured, like, what are the chances of anyone to be able to, like, yeah. find this? In the words of Crocodile Dundee, better than average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Way like... better than average. So, I think as we close this topic, I think you guys should just don't, don't hang this on IGN. This is not IGN's fault. This guy was a rogue employee who made a ter who made one terrible decision and then backed it up with another terrible decision and then followed it up with a third one today by not being contrite. Yeah, by taking responsibility for a thing he says he didn't do. Right. Yeah. So don't hang this on IGN. This is totally on the editor. Um, where do, what does the editor do now? I don't know. He has to find probably a new line of work. I would think. Yeah. I mean, or he just goes back to YouTube. I mean, he came from right. YouTube. And his YouTube channel probably grew by like 20,000 people too. It's, I mean, that's the irony of the whole thing. So uh, yeah, don't hold this against IGN. It's not IGN's fault. And let's move on. We're going to talk now about the game that mm. brought all this up, and that is Dead Cells. I've only played about an hour of it. I've been playing the PC mm. version. Uh, I played, You've been playing much more of it. I played the early access of it. Like, I mean, I've had that in early access for like two years or the. I may have kickstarted it. I can't remember. Like I don't. I either kickstarted it or I got it in like a bundle cheap year, like a long time ago. And I, I played it for a while back then. And like I then I started playing it again this week. Obviously when it came out 1.0. And wow, they. Dev, I mean they. 
I mean, people wondered why this took so long. Probably because they polished the living hell out of it for yeah. over a year and a half. I mean, this you can tell. There's there's a lot of uh, love and care put into this thing. I mean, I this game has been getting sky high insane reviews. Insane scores, scores, like scores that I don't. Nine point seven. Yeah, like, like I don't really agree with that. I th I mean, I I think it's really good, but like. The, the roguelite element is still annoying to me because it you know you, you, you oh, oops, oops you died and now you're now you lost all this stuff I mean at least in Dark Souls I can go get my shit back um, but I'm you know you get the hang of it and you, you figure out how everything works and uh, you know you get lucky a couple you know like the run I'm on right now so I'm I'm, I'm how long have I played I probably played it for four or five hours I've been through I've gotten I've gotten two I think six or seven areas. That's not to say I've finished all of them. Like I, I, but I've got you know the the first area you can get to I think two different places and they lead you different places and then you get to the black bridge which is like the first like the second boss but it's the first challenging boss and that took me like four or five tries to get past that guy and now you're gonna do it all over again every yeah. time <laughs> and now I'm in the the area where like uh, past that up in the clock tower and I think I think I just stopped at the I got past the clock tower. And I say I stopped before we did the show, right before that area. Um, so, uh, so I've been through a fair amount of it. I don't, I'm, th I'm not close to done with it, I don't think. Um, but I feel like I've got a handle on how it works. I've, I definitely have my preferences for what items I prefer to find, um, and I have. I feel like I've. Uh, I understand. I understand how the bastard thinks, so to speak. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's um, of the kind of the roguelite metroidvania swarm that is hitting this month, I think this is almost, like, undisputably the best one. Um, both in terms of production value and in terms of, like, what it's doing and how well it pulls off what it's doing. Because it is more roguelite than metroidvania. It's not, you know, it looks like a metroidvania when you're watching this, but because every time you die... You lose all your upgrade stuff, you except for like any like you have you can have upgrades that like go permanent, which is more like you have this many health potions. Yeah. You can keep three thousand or six thousand gold depending on what you've upgraded every time you die, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but you lose any cool items you've picked up, and you have to earn everything basically again. But you you can pick up like Metroid style abilities that when you beat bosses. So like when you beat the first boss, you get the ability to, to tickle. To tickle little bunches of vines or whatever, and then they grow a vine straight up, so you can climb stuff to areas you couldn't get to before. That makes a big uh, difference. Yeah, there's a there's a, it changes like, and the then you can get like uh, the second boss gives you the uh, this rune that lets you go to a daily challenge thing that can get you a bunch of stuff. Uh, there is a um, there's another one that lets you uh, you rub this little statue thing and you teleport somewhere. So that gets and, and there's also I've seen these little like sections of ground with like a little rune on them that clearly at some point you get to destroy them or burrow through them or something because you like I can't get through them so there's an element of that to that but mostly what you're doing is every time you die the whole thing is procedurally generated again and everything's different yeah it's um, not the level design is completely different yeah and like there's there's like you know you're all kind of you're always going to end up in the same areas but the areas will always be uh, totally totally not random but but procedurally generated in a different way until you get... Usually it seems like the ending of the areas are the same. Every time, Like the elevator will be in the right. same place. So yeah. like you know when you got to the end. Yeah. Um, but like it's, it's, you know, so it's, but it's very generous with teleports. Um, you can see like the, you know, the teleport rings in the B-roll here. 
the way this this is the first real area. Like there's a beginning area you go through, and then you get to your first. Although it doesn't feel stuff. like a beginner's area. Uh, and then like <laughs> this is, and then so this is the first real area in the game. Um, the uh, 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 I can't remember the name of it. It's like it's like a I've walked through I've gone through this like a hundred <laughs> times and I can't remember the name of the damn thing. Um, but basically, the way this works, like if you want to just burn through it, you can just run to the, to the right. But then you'll see like there's little like you know pits with uh, with uh, elevators to go down, and that's where you'll find like better stuff. And it's also where you find more dangerous stuff. And um, so it's kind of like you, you have to balance like how good do I think I am? How do I think I can get through these extra challenging parts and get better equipment so I'll be better equipped to get through this the part later on? Or do I just want to run for the border? And uh, you know, bank all my cells and keep upgrade because like that's you know my big goal right now is still working my way up and up. You have to unlock a bunch of items so you can then unlock the ability to start with a random melee weapon, which will be better than your starting sword you've had to stick with this whole time. And that takes t you know sixty five cells on top of all the cells. You know, so it's like, it's like there's always something to work towards. And I think uh, I don't know if we'll see it here, but eventually once you uh, oh there's the thing where you have to tickle and climb the thing. Uh, it, you, at the beginning, after you die and, re and restart, you have to run through this section where there's all these glass bottles hanging from the ceiling, and that each, there's a glass bottle for every single upgrade you can get. Yeah. And it's like, there's like 200 of I them. Know. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the first time you see it, you're like, oh no, like that's so many things. But like, one it, thing I will say is, after you lose your stuff, it doesn't take that long to get it back. No, it's like. That's the thing is like every almost every type of item is useful in its own way. So like I've, I even when I have my I have my favorites. I love the turret based Me too. items that it's you my, can just throw down favorites. and yeah. do stuff. Like, but like if I end up with like freeze grenades or or you know like a like a electric whip or whatever, like I'm not unhappy with that. Like, they, like everything they did a good job of making everything useful. Um, I've I've just got things I prefer to use. Um, and you, you know, no, you can be successful with pretty much anything. Yeah. And uh, and I like the movement. It's you know, it's fast. It's it's the game snappy. Is butter man. Um, the game is butter. The uh, the the combat feels so good. The traversal feels so good. I I've not ever felt like the game was at fault for me dying, mm -hmm. which to me is probably the most important part of a game like this. Any game that has permadeath, you better be on point, man. Because yeah. if, if you're costing me a death, it's going to cost me a ton of progress, and it's your fault. The chances of me firing that game back up again are pretty slim. Yeah, and there's there's an element of um, like like when you get later in, like get later on, and like they change a bunch of stuff up, and like the thing instead of throwing one grenade at you, they're throwing like a thing that splits into three grenades, and like yeah. you know the, the swords, the sword enemies get a lot more aggressive, and like you know it's interesting because you know whereas there is an opportunity for that when you start getting tagged by that stuff to think like oh now the game's just you know being cheap on me, but at the same time you like. You see, it's like, oh, if I do this, I won't get hit by that. It's, it's like that. It's like a, it, there is a Dark Souls comparison we made in the sense that, like, well, if you if you watch, if you observe, if you learn how something works that you're having trouble with, you will be able to get around it one way or the other. You just, it's just a matter of of being patient and being observant instead of just like being angry that you didn't do it the first time. I just found myself playing this game like being very, very cautious at certain points. Yeah. Like there was a point back there you saw where I was like just jumping and just getting that one slash mm. on that enemy at the edge of the platform. Like, it definitely, and, and the crazy thing, like any game like this, the farther you get without having saved, the more pressure builds, and then it's more, mm. it gets more, more and more difficult. And it's like this perfect storm to like screw up. 
And as it, once I get to those points, I start playing a lot more cautiously. But the way this game is laid out, playing cautiously probably isn't the best strategy. Yeah. Well, it's also not even an option yeah. in various situations. So. Yeah, you're just kind of tossed into the muck and the mosh pit at certain points in this game. And there's you have those moments, too, where you first come across a scenario, you're like, oh, I'm so screwed, I'm going to die. And then if you make it through it, that feeling that you get, you're like, because you just mm-hmm. assume that you weren't going to make it. You're like, oh, wow, like I did it. Um, again, I haven't played much of this. I've been playing a bunch of other stuff this week, but I'm going to play mm-hmm. it this weekend. I'm going to dive in. And I don't normally like games like this. Permadeath games, for me, are generally just completely out of the question. But, like I said, because once you do die, you do lose your stuff. But you end up getting stuff, like, every, like, two or three screens, basically, you, you get something. And uh, not only did it assuage sort of my concerns over, like, oh, I can't die, I can't die, or I'm screwed, it, it also encouraged me to try weapons that maybe I normally wouldn't have used. So in a lot of Metroidvania games, I'll find a couple weapons that I like, and I'll just kind of use those and get really good with them. You can't really do that in this game. Mm-hmm. You're kind of forced to learn how to use at Everything. least whatever the arsenal is that they give you. So um, I wish I had played it more so I could talk a little more intelligently about the game. Mm-hmm. But And I will say that the, you know early on, I was definitely frustrated at places like dying when I thought I was doing well. And even when I get angry and kind of like turn it, I I like quit out. I'd like turn it off. Um, but then like I do a thing because usually when I when I've been playing this, like the sound is not important. So I've been listening to YouTube videos or whatever yeah. or podcasts. And I I just quit to the main menu and I just sit there and listen to whatever I was listening to. And then like maybe three minutes later, I'd pick the controller back up and yeah. hit play game again. Yeah, I was like <laughs> like I'm like all right, one more. Yeah. It's it's it's, uh, it's got that that quality to it. But you're um, saying nine point seven, a little too high. I wouldn't go that far away. I mean, maybe in terms of like what it is, but like in terms of like you know putting it up there with like God of War. Because you're I saying that year. a large percentage of players are going to absolutely love the game, and I would not agree with that. No, I, th- I think this game is going to alienate a, a fair number of people if they don't know what they're getting into. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who will buy the game based upon the high review scores and play it for like an hour and never go back to it. Yeah, I wouldn't call this for everybody. No. Um, certainly if you understand what it is and you uh, like you know what you're getting into, like it's one of the best examples of mm-hmm. this kind of... Yeah. Uh, you Because know, a lot of games attempt to do this sort of like procedure, proc gen roguelite sort of thing. Yeah. Um, part of the problem I think most of those games have is they do not have the combat nailed down the way this game does. Like yeah, this the combat game, in this game is like sublime. Yeah. Like that's why it works is because Absolutely. because every, like even when you get killed and even when you have to start over, even when you start over with the basic equipment, it's still fun. Yep. Like it's even when you go back to that first opening level and you're fighting those original, you know, you know, standard enemies it's still fun, and they still mix it up enough that you some, you know, I still get caught out once in a while, yeah. just in that first introductory section, yep. getting to the first, you know, first level, getting There's to no the first easy level. Like, parts of this game. like, whoops, I, I did the wrong thing. I <laughs> yeah. rolled over here at the wrong time, and this arrow guy shot me, and now I've lost a third of my health. Like, yep. you know, and it, it can happen anytime. It's so, not uh, a very. It tries to be forgiving in other ways, though. I think it's not. It's not one of those games that relishes in your misery. Yeah. Well, it's also like it's not afraid to give you some real powerful stuff yeah, once yeah. you're once you kind of have delved a little far for, it. for our end. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the rewards are proportional. Like you get you know there's there's those giant chests where you get stuff, but then there's you'll find cursed chests, and a cursed chest 
gives you very markedly better loot, um, but then it curses you so that you have to until you kill ten enemies, you are a one hit death. Yeah, you'll die in one hit, and like that's a that's a really interesting risk. Um, but like, but the thing is, like a, a lesser game would not make the loot you get worth that. No, and you're this right. game does. It would just say now you're you have one hit and you're dead. Yeah, and not only does it give you better loot than a normal chest, it gives you three things. Right. Yeah. So even better chance of getting something that you can that really puts you over the top, because like the tools you have to work with, the abilities you you pick up, the items you pick up. Are, are life and death. They're your, they're your yeah, lifeblood. Absolutely. Uh, once you get far enough in that you're sort of off in uncharted territory, like that's all you can rely on. So um, so it makes that risk reward thing not just like rewarding in terms of like taking the risk, but it really gets in your head about like should I take the risk? And like a lot of times the answer is going to end up being yes, just because you you know you need that edge. For whatever's around the corner, yep. and that's a great that's you know that's a that's a that's a tension that a lot of games never even attempt to make happen, let alone succeed at making happen. So that's a that's probably one of the biggest uh, compliments I can give this game is that it keeps it keeps that level of tension at all times, but it never forgets to make it fun to play every second of the game. Uh, early contender for indie game of the year, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I've only played like an hour and a half of the game, and I'm already kind of in that boat. Uh, I, I I kind of agree with you. I think the scores are, again, based upon limited play, are a little bit too high. And purely because, and I feel like I can't make this assessment after an hour or two, because you realize very quickly that this is the type of game that's going to turn a lot of people off. And I think when you get up above the 9.5, you're basically saying... The vast majority of people who play video games are at least going to find some enjoyment out of this. Mm -hmm. And I I think there's a big section of gamers who will not have much fun with this game. Or at least won't understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. Like, it it does kind of assume that you understand how these types of games work. Yeah. It definitely assumes you've played Dark Souls. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just in the sense of how important the the dodge roll is. Yeah. but like overall, like yeah, yeah, it's a, of these games. Yeah, I, well, they've got a, there's another one coming out next week. There's a there's another Metroidvania roguelite game coming. You you met it was like a trailer at one point. Oh, it was our trailer of the week last yeah, week, wasn't it? A couple weeks ago, at some point, yeah. And I hadn't really heard of it. It's like Death's Gambit or yeah, something like that. It. Like yeah. that look that looks good. But I don't know. That what, game's a straight up like Souls club. Right. Will that be able to top this? I don't know. We'll the, oh, the other thing I would say is uh, if it's, Below ever comes out. Well, that's not even on the docket right now. But like, yeah, the, that's gonna happen. The uh, like the, the, the game's pretty funny. They get a surprising amount of uh, personality out of a character with no head. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's also there. That's also there. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not a lot of dialogue in a game, but periodically, like there's something fun. So he says something funny, or he reacts to something in an amusing way. So like, it's got some personality to it beyond just the. The hard as nails roguelite action action. And I would also say everybody knows, obviously, who watches Game Face, I am not the world's biggest Dark Souls, Demon Souls fan. No. And yet I am enjoying this game so far. Um, so if you're like me and you're like, I hate those games and this sounds like one of those games, I'm enjoying it. So maybe that does kind of show that maybe it transcends a little bit uh, beyond mm-hmm. the crowd that maybe wouldn't normally enjoy games like this. Maybe. I mean it's definitely probably the uh, definitely, probably. What does that even mean? <laughs> I would say it's probably uh, the the best example of of this kind of game. Yeah. Uh, in terms of kind of that two D soul. Yeah, we have been influenced by Dark Souls and roguelikes to make sort of this. Th- you know, I you don't just think said roguelikes. 
You got yeah, ro well, roguelite and roguelikes yeah, well, in one not, word. It's not a roguelike. It's a roguelite. Light. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, if you if you like if you are vaguely interested in that kind of subgenre, and if you don't like this one, you're probably not gonna like any of them. No, I'd put it that That's way. That's a good way to put it. So maybe if anything, this is a game that you can experiment with to try to figure mm -hmm. out if the genre is for you. But definitely, like, look. I mean, it's not cheap. It's twenty five bucks. Yeah. Um, I would definitely look at like YouTube videos to kind of try because that's the thing about this is you can't really spoil it because it's going to be different when you play. Right. It. Yeah. Um, There's no strategy guide for yeah. this. Yeah. So I would definitely watch YouTube videos and and maybe some some let's some streams or something to kind of see if if you're not sure to kind of get your head around around it and see what you think see what you think you'd think. So I wouldn't make the decision lightly because it is not, you know, just a nine dollar game or something. It's twenty five yeah. bucks, but uh, I do feel like. Twenty-five bucks is uh, you get you get your money's worth if you end up liking the game for sure. Yep. All right, let's move on. What we're gonna do is ne with this next category is completely blow this episode out of the water for YouTube with YouTube flags because we mm. are going to show you the gameplay for Red Dead Redemption Two. And yes, Rockstar is just like Nintendo; it flags all its footage on YouTube. So if you're watching this episode on YouTube. You're about to see a big black bar go up across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> but for those of you watching live and those of you watching uh, early on Sifted because you're a patron or a subscriber, we're going to show you the first ever gameplay of Red Dead Redemption 2. Was it everything you hoped, Matt? It was everything I expected. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if you remember or not. We had we talked about Red Dead on the show four episodes ago, three mm -hmm. episodes ago, and all the information that's in this trailer had been leaked. So what I think happened was whoever leaked that information had seen this trailer. Yeah, or because literally perhaps cut this trailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah or cut it. Because it literally exactly everything yeah. we talked about three or four weeks ago about this game is what's shown off in this trailer. However, seeing it in action is a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean I I wasn't Tremendously impressed by this. Really? Visually, I am. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, they've got this narrator sort of talking about. They always well, do this. Yeah, but like, <laughs> they always do. There this. was a weird. There's a weird amount of lack of self awareness on this because, like, like when she says, like, you know, and gameplay. I think right here she says, like, gameplay, like you've never seen before, and it shows a guy shooting, shooting someone in slow motion. I'm yeah. like, that's the whole premise of the series That's, like they've been around forever like at no point here's, like, here's the thing it's like the present presentationally it's amazing like this you know visually it's amazing obviously the animation's incredible like i like the camp thing they're talking about but there's nothing in this trailer that i haven't done before in a game yeah like it's just put together slightly differently and maybe the the universe the world is going to be more coherent rockstar games in a nutshell yeah but that's what i mean is like this thing's talking up about how like oh it's the most amazing thing and you've never done anything like it i'm like i just played red dead redemption one and like this is basically a refined version of that yeah and like i like but they're the talking camp about stuff though the camp stuff is just going to be the town but in a camp like the like the camp yeah. thing is like they're like, oh talk to people to find out what's like yeah talk to this guy with a thing over his head to find out here's a side quest to do it's every freaking open world game in the, but you in the have universe to, like feed the camp and it, yeah I there's mean, this they're like it's a little different yeah but i did that in state of decay too yeah like, well, hopefully this is a lot less clunky than State of Decay 2. I would hope so, but, you know. I mean, Rockstar you can really only, what it does. You can I only mean, drag a dead deer back to a camp so many times before that gameplay element becomes a little rote. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Rockstar invented this genre. DMA Design invented this genre. But 
since then, since that, since GTA 3, it's never really broken ground with this franchise, with its franchises. It just does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what I'm getting from Red Dead Redemption. Well, sure, too. but I mean, I'm just, it's, I'm, I, I like what I see. I'm definitely interested to play it. It's still probably the second most anticipated game on my release schedule, so to speak. But, like, to me, that was just like, like, the VO in this was just like, I mean, yeah, it's a lot, it's just marketing speak. Like, we see from every other major publisher trying to make you think that this is the most, like, revolutionary thing that's going to be released this year. And I'm just like, it's just Red Dead Redemption with, like, gameplay refinements. Like, that's and all much, it is. Much better visuals. Oh, yeah. What like, I don't get about Rockstar is, and again, I've known people that have worked, I've, one of my very best friends worked at Rockstar for quite a while working on GTA 4. And if you ever hang around with them, like, they think that they're on the bleeding edge of everything. They're, mm-hmm. they have, they're very, very conceited. Like, they are well aware that their games sell 60 million copies. And they feel like they're ahead of the curve on everything. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're the ones who are the trailblazers, breaking new ground. But for whatever reason, their trailers are always like this. Mm-hmm. They are these weird things that are narrated by some person. It sounds like they have no idea what they're talking about. The first Red Dead was the same exact way, and they did it with uh, GTA V as well. They do like these really long, narrated, dis- very yeah. descriptive things for to promote their games. And maybe they have done research and are like, "Hey, look, our games reach such a wide audience. We got to really like yeah, well, bring also, it down a notch." It's not like they do any E3 presentation, right? So it's like right. this, this is kind this of is what it. that is. This is like Red Dead's E3. But right even now. like with this, like you know, oh well, you know, the, you've got unprecedented control over how conversations were and how you approach interactions. With you. Like, yeah, but it's like that's just LA noir. Like, they yeah. just took the L.A. Noir conversation system and slapped it in a red... T- which is great. Like, that looks really cool. But, like, don't sit there and tell me, like, this is some kind of... Because unpro- you made that game before. Like, it's, it, yeah. it's super weird to me that, like... But it's still something I fe- I that's just, not in a lot of I'm not someone... Yeah, you know, obviously, I'm not someone who gets fooled or tricked by marketing copy very often. But I'm just like... I'm like, do you believe what you're saying right now? Because, <laughs> like... I ain't buying it. Like, it, like I, I would have been had a much better reaction to this trailer if it had just been the trailer, but just game sound and you know, just show me the footage and just, and let the game's sound, normal sound play, and don't like have this weird VO like actor trying to like convince me that I've never seen anything like this before because I have. Think, I think that this tra- this trailer's for the jabronis, dude. I guess this is for the guys who buy just bought Madden. Are they gonna see this though? <laughs> oh, they'll see it absolutely. And Rockstar makes sure that they see it. I don't know if you noticed, but after this came out, every single social media feed Mm. I had had this running in it. So if you've ever talked about games on any social media platform, if you've ever liked anything on a social media platform that was related to games, they targeted you with this trailer. And there are a lot of dudes out there who only buy GTA or Rockstar's Mm. games and Madden who are absolutely going to watch this and just be completely over the moon because they didn't watch Game Face. They didn't read those leaks. This is made for a lot of those people. This is the first time they've seen the game. They've heard about it. They've heard that it's coming. I didn't actually remember a lot of what we talked about with that leak except the camp thing. Yeah, we talked about all of it. The horse. I'm sure we did, but like when I was was watching this trailer, I was like, oh yeah, the camp thing. Everything else was, was sort of new, but it's like, it, it was. It's just permutations of what, what we've seen in other games and in other Rockstar games. It's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah. what, it's, it's what it should be. 
But um, I am mega hyped. I think this game looks freaking awesome. I think uh, I am encouraged by the fact that this trailer does not at any point pander to the GTA Online audience. Yeah. Which I know, obviously, the online feature will be, you know, that's they'll that's, do that's their the own ranks. video. That's their about own that. thing. Yeah, for that. they'll do a whole separate video for it. But you know, it's always you know, and maybe that's just me buying into the the rhetoric from EA. But like, it's just like anytime someone wants to put out something that really emphasizes the single player. Uh, features of something I am in favor. Absolutely. So. But we'll look, we'll get another seven minute trailer that just yeah, talks sure. about the online stuff, which uh, they should. Um, but to me. Because that is where the money is. Absolutely. In the long term. Absolutely. That's why GTA has sold 60 million copies. I mean, it's not because his single player campaign was freaking mind blowing. Um, but what struck me the most about this, even after knowing a lot of the information already, was the breadth of the game. And everything they showed looked so freaking polished. Like, it's basically seven minutes of this spending like 30 seconds on each feature. And it's like by the end, it's like 15 or 20 features in the game, and they all look amazing. Like, all of them. They all, they don't look clunky, they don't look weird. I, I just. So you're not expecting a lot of cougar people in this one? I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would not say that. I mean, this was cut, you know. Somebody oh, yeah. frame by frame watches to make sure there wasn't any weird stuff in any of the shots or whatever. <laughs> so I'm not saying that there aren't going to be bugs or there aren't going to be issues with this game, but just the breadth of what it's doing, even if it is a little buggy, is still impressive. Mm -hmm. um, the horse stuff, I think I love it. I, I love building relationships with characters in video games and it looks like you're going to have a crazy relationship with your horse that actually as you're talking about with dead cells you get you get rewarded for it it mm -hmm. actually shows in in the game and the rewards that you get inside the game that building a, re a relationship with a horse is a big deal and important i also think probably they're going to sell horses for a lot of freaking money as microtransactions yeah. because what's what's going to happen your horse is going to die and you'd be like, man, do I really want to go find another horse and spend the next 12 hours getting him back up to where that last one was? Or do I want to spend a dollar take and a, just have somebody hand me a horse? Take a page out of Star Citizen and just and sell horse insurance. You can, exactly. <laughs> but so, you look, you're right. I mean, that's where they're ultimately going to make their money off of this game is with online and microtransactions. And there certainly is an opportunity for Rockstar to do some nefarious stuff with that. Um, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll pull back and it'll take the high road. Yeah. And I mean, say, I expect them to go, you know, balls out in that regard on the online. Yeah. Uh, probably, I would say they, they haven't really been too bad with that kind of thing with, with the single player stuff. Like, but it's never had a relation. Like, you never level up your cars in GTA. Like, you, could, you get you better could, cars. You get better cars or, or you could, you or know, more ev everyone had their own car in uh, GTA V. Each character had his own car. Right. And you but could it upgrade didn't them and stuff. Yeah, but his performance didn't improve. It was just yeah, you cosmetic. Could, you, could up, you could upgrade some stuff. Could you could, you? Yeah, I think so. you get like nitrous or something. I think. Huh. Been a long time. It's been a while. It's been a long time. I only really upgraded Franklin's car because he's the one who did race stuff. Right. Yeah. But you don't build a relationship with your car. No. Like you do with an animal. Well, we'll see. They still have to give us content that matters to the point that you build that relationship beyond just a stat game. Yeah. yeah. No, they right. can do it. They can do it, obviously, but it's like you still have. It still has to happen, you know. Like I like, you know, the a lot of stuff in this trailer looks really cool in terms of like a system that's implemented in this open world game. Uh, but the proof is when you get your hands on it, you've done it for fifteen hours. 
And it's just like if you watch this trailer, it's like really every three or four seconds it's a new clip. And sometimes they don't even reference the clip in the voiceover. Yeah. It's just watching it in this accumulation of stuff. Mm. They start showing these little games that you can, mini games that you can play. Well, like, you'll notice like the, well, yeah, I'm like, but that's the other, it's like the, the oh, look, you can do this. Like, yeah, I played poker in the first game. Like, I did, yeah. It's all still here. But like uh, the things that interest me are like the fact that almost every shot, especially when a shot is not directly illustrating something that the VO is talking about. It's illustrating something about the visuals that you like, like that shot, like the shot where you get, where the guy gets thrown out of the bar and the fist fight starts. That shot is actually showing that like you get mud on your clothes when right. you roll around in the dirt. Yeah. Or like when that, that it was a little while ago, but he was right, just sort of riding through the woods and like you're walking through the woods, and the real thing you're looking at is like there's like 40 birds flying around in that shot, and yeah. it's like just the amount of of life happening in these like forest shots are, are you know so the most interesting thing to me in this trailer is sort of the way it, it subtly shows off um little like t the, the finer touches and the, and the little details like show the, the reload animations yeah. that are specific to each gun and even just the way his face flinches when the gun yeah. kicks like it's just yeah. you know, the the very, you know, this is like Naughty Dog level detail. It is, absolutely. In a huge open world game, yeah. which Naughty Dog has never My done. Naughty Dog doesn't do, yeah. <laughs> it's never done. I would love to see it try, but it's never done. So and I'm, I'm real interested to see what it looks like uh, when it finally, you know, because I mean, even just the shadows are incredibly yeah. well done. And I'm interested to see what this looks like on like a vanilla PS4. I mean, I honestly just feel like we're about to get something that we haven't got in like seven years. There have been other open world games, tons of them, but nobody does them as well as Rockstar. There's a reason besides just GTA Online that Grand Theft Auto V is sold, is the best selling game ever. There's just something about Rockstar. It has that special magic that it puts into these games and we haven't got a new one of these in a really long time. Um, and now finally seeing the first looks at real in-game gameplay, it lived up to all my expectations and exceeded them. So I am jacked, jacked, jacked for this game, and I have a feeling everybody else is too, and for good reason. It just, they waited a long time to show gameplay, but I, I feel like personally that it was worth it. Um, and it's crazy to think about. We just saw it for the first time, and it comes out in like, what, two months? Um, what was it? Beginning of November? Yeah. yeah. Two and a half months. Yeah. yeah. We're not far away. So here's the thing. The, the, the dam is about to break with this game. Mm -hmm. We got this trailer. I'm guessing we get a new one every two weeks now. Maybe, and then in the last two or three weeks, if Rockstar follows its usual marketing plan, we'll get something new almost every day leading up to the launch. So the whole waiting thing is over now. The whole game's going to be laid bare. We're going to be able to see everything that's going to be in the game. And if you aren't excited for it right now, give it another six weeks, and I think you're definitely going to be right where I am right now. Ready. I'm ready. Definitely ready. And Spider-Man comes in there in the middle. Mm -hmm. Be able to play that. By the time I really wrap that up, here comes Red Dead Redemption 2. It's supposed to be Here Comes Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> Look out. Look out. Here comes a Red Dead Redemption. Here comes a horse you have a relationship with. <laughs> Not that kind of relationship. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that happened today, which is, again, the beauty of us doing the show on Fridays. We get hooked up in a lot of ways. QuakeCon is going down right now, and it's going on all weekend, but really all the stuff that happened that matters happened today. Mm -hmm. um, 
they had their keynote speech where they kind of show all the games and then the rest of the weekend is just kind of fun. Everybody playing games and stuff like that. Maybe a couple things will leak out the next couple days, but yeah. probably not. Bethesda runs a pretty tight ship on yeah. that kind of thing. We've, we've pretty much got everything. I, I also feel like in the wake of the Fallout 76 leak, uh, Pete Hines has has batten the hatches. Yeah, probably a bit. so, as he should. Uh, but so Bethesda did do its big sh- its big keynote today. Uh, it basically talked about four games, but two of them were kind of the focus. Mm-hmm. And the first one is Doom. The new Doom, Eternal. Doom Eternal, they showed for the very first time today. Did you get to watch this? No. Oh boy. It looks freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> it looks, I mean, it's Doom, and yeah. the last Doom was amazing, and all that stuff is in there. All the stuff that made the, the last, the reboot, great is there. But they've done, have you heard anything about it? Um, I heard about, like, something about, like, multiplayer like people can drop into your campaign game and fight you just like stuff. your favorite game demon souls people can invade your mm. game um you can turn it on or off so you can keep people out if, if you want to but people can become a demon and enter your game would you ever do that matt like going be, to be the demon go like say I'm, you see me playing and on psn or wherever would you become a demon and come into my game yeah i might as well yeah I guess. I've never done anything like that. I feel before. like I feel like you'd probably kill me because right. I'm, I'm not that great at shooters. But, but well, you'd be trying to melee probably if you were a maybe. demon. I would. I, I've never done stuff like that, and I don't see myself doing it in this one either. Like, well, I've always been interested in the because that was the people. Who, I think it was the people who made Left for Dead were working on a game called The Crossing for a while, where there were no. It was a, it was a single player game, like a Half Life kind of thing. But there were no NPCs. All the all the enemies were played by people. Like so, like your team. You, so it would be like an asymmetric multiplayer game, basically. Like everybody, all the enemies are played by human players who are also in your game. And like you're you know, obviously the enemies have like very little health. You know, it's it's like you know they die in a couple shots, and the main player has like a lot of health, like you would in any campaign. But the idea is you're never fighting AI. You're always fighting people that are trying to d- fight you and outflank you and mm-hmm. and think. Well, it, it, and it never came to pass. You know, they never ended up making it. But I always thought the idea of like enhancing like campaign enemies by letting people come in and kind of kind of like supplement that is a really interesting idea. And, and yeah, the the Souls games definitely do that. Um, although. I'm interested to see how they how they do that in this because in a Souls game, when someone invades your world, everything basically stops. Like that becomes the focus of what you're doing because right. someone someone is there and they are the most dangerous thing immediately around you, and it's a completely different thing. But the idea of like I don't know how they're doing this, but the idea to me it's a very intriguing. Be very intriguing if, if if a person was able to just sort of take over a random demon in your game. And you don't know which one he is. Yeah. And like, or a boss. One of these demons is just way better than the others, right? Or, like, or is is or, you pick him out pretty quick, I think. Or maybe you have the ability to command some of them, and like you can, you know, you're you, maybe you're like, oh, well, you're a you're a little cyber demon or whatever, but you can tell the other demons where to go and what to do. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can do to make it a more interesting scenario for the player. I don't know how far they're going with all of that. It might just be an exact duplicate of the Souls thing where somebody it, So far it sounds that way. Um, they didn't show the feature actually mm-hmm. being used to the best of my knowledge, but it appears that it is very much like the way Demon Souls did it. 
Um, I don't think you're going to be able to have like 20 human characters. No, I wouldn't coming. think so. But but you know, even when I think about doing that, it it just I'm like, okay, so I I want to be in his game, and now I select that, and then I sit here and I wait for it to load in, and then maybe it glitches out, maybe it oh I'm in the game now, oh I'm dead. Like th that's what I think would happen. No, and stuff like that keeps me from doing no, it, it. It starts you far enough away that that's not what happens. In at least in the in the Souls games. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the way the Souls games do it is you're you're basically. I mean, it, it shuts off the area, so you can't just leave the area. But like, you get jumped. You jump into somebody's game, and you basically have to find them and kill them. Uh, they can find and kill you, or sometimes people are so good at height. If you if you if you don't kill them in a certain amount of time, you'll basically get booted run out, out of time, get booted out, and they still get credit for surviving. Oh, okay. Um, so sometimes you just run into people that are just really good at hiding and find a way to, to hide and or like getting away from you, and uh, you know of course you glow like you you glow red usually in those situations. So like. That is actually a really cool moment if you're on the other side. Is like, okay, somebody's invading my game, and you see like down across the way on like a cliff over there. There's the, the red the red player is just sort of running down there, and like you both see each other, but you can't get to each other, and you're like, okay, it's like, and there's sort of that moment of like, of like you see the red guy, you sort of like go running because he knows how to get to where you are. And like, oh, right. now I'm gonna go. Are you gonna go and confront him? Or are you gonna? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot it's of like a uh, it's like a chess game, definitely. Yeah. I mean, cheating is a problem, obviously. Uh, it always is with online stuff, but like, this is an, it's an interesting idea. I, I would definitely try it a bit. I would try it before I turned it off. That's for sure. And yeah, see, yeah. See what I thought. Well, I, look, when I play it, I will leave it open. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely let people come into my game. Will I play in other people's games? Probably not. Well, the thing is, like in like in the Souls games, you get stuff for doing that. Like you get really valuable items or currency or well, they like, incentivize it to maybe. Or like when you it. like in I mean I I tend to co-op more in Souls games because when you co-op and like defeat a boss or whatever with with another player, uh, you get brought back to life. Usually is is the is the bonus and like you know being alive is usually your life bar is extended or you you have other advantages. But of course, when you're alive, you can get invaded. Right. So, trade off. But like, no, it's an interesting idea, and like, it's sort of the one aspect of Dark Souls that I maybe never would have guessed maybe, Doom would do it. Maybe has not been exploited uh, in yeah. the way you know you don't see that ripped off as much as like every other aspect of Dark Souls. So, yeah, I mean, if it if it can do it, can do it in a way that will make sense because those guys are are tech geniuses. So, and I bet I bet they'll do it so it's like imperceptible. I, I bet it, like. You know, because in in Dark Souls, it's just like you get the big like you are it's being obvious, invaded, right, and yeah. you, know, you got to match everything up. But like you know, it is so good at just getting that tech to run you know seamlessly that I bet it'll be a smoother experience. Couple other notes about Doom: uh, multiplayer be ha being handled in house this time. Probably remember wise. the last game they had another studio handle the multiplayer, and that multiplayer uh, died not, pretty much it you know, instantly. Died, it died on the vine very quickly. Um, so multiplayer handled in house. Uh, no snap map this time. Remember that was the big like build your own map mm -hmm. thing that was like crazy, like complicated and complex. Uh, I, one of those things I tried once and tried it enough for the game eval and never went back and did it again. Although later on, like people were creating some pretty amazing stuff for that. Uh, but no snap map in this one. Um, it is coming out day and date on Switch with all the other platforms. Well, I mean, I would say Switch of Bethesda's ports, uh, Doom is probably the most, uh, not sales successful, but in terms of, like, emulating the 
the big boy experience on the more powerful platforms, I feel like you, even though it does have the frame rate, I feel like you, you get a pretty authentic uh, version. It's always been on Nintendo consoles, too, throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, go back for to whatever 60, reason. <laughs> even going back to the Super Nintendo and yeah. Doom 64. and yeah. It disappeared for a while. Like, I don't think there was a Doom on GameCube, but the series kind of disappeared yeah, this, for a while. Yeah, the series wasn't around to do it. Yeah. Really. Uh, so it, it makes sense on a Nintendo platform, and I'm guessing Bethesda thought it sold where the first one sold well enough that eh. it's worth doing it. Um, and the studio probably has the engine there already. Be nice if that studio would build an original game for Switch. That True. would be nice, but I don't see that ever happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm never gonna play it on Switch because why would you? But yeah. like, I mean, if you only have a Switch, there you it's go. Nice to yeah. I mean, this is it's a big deal, a big budget AAA game launching on Switch the same day mm-hmm. as other platforms. Well, that I'm, is a rarity. Also, I'm sure it's part of Bethesda's deal with it. Right. There's got to be some kind of deal there Incentive. between the companies. Uh, a couple that Ubisoft things. apparently may not have. Right. Yeah. At least not for Steep. It doesn't. Yeah, they just canceled Steep this week. I think we all knew that was coming, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, either like they're having technical problems cramming the thing on on there, or they know that like it makes more sense to just sort of uh, wait for, you know, if they're going to do a Steep two, just wait for that. Yeah. It's so far behind the other platforms. They at must this have point. worked a lot on that, though. Yeah, but if there's one thing we know, Ubisoft is not afraid to take a Nintendo project they're basically finished with and say, no, because they did that on the Wii U. Well, I think the other part of the problem too is that Steep just didn't sell well anyway. Like even Steep, on PS4 and Steep Xbox sold, One, they said Steep sold beyond their expectations. Well, that, you and that was have to know what the expectations were first. Well, and that I guess. was I mean, well, expectations are expectations, but like yeah. they said, Steep outsold expectations, and Watch Dogs Two sold under expectations. So it's not like they're not willing to admit when something yeah. sells below par. Yeah. But in the same, that was the same. I think presentation was they said Steep sold better than they thought, and Watch Dogs Two sold less than they thought. Interesting. Uh, a couple other things about Doom. Uh, there's wall climbing. Did you did you see that? Mm-mm. Yeah, there's sections where you have like these claws that you can like scale walls. Um, there's a new melee weapon. It's like a blade on your mm. wrist that you can I use. I saw that. Like they were cutting. He's cutting guys in half. Yeah, and there's a there's a chainsaw too, but that mm. they've just added that is like an extra melee weapon or whatever. Um, game looks gorgeous, but it looks pretty much the same as the last one. Yeah. The game is set on Earth this time. It's hell on Earth, quote unquote. Um, so Earth has been transformed by Satan. Is Satan even in Doom? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess the big, the biggest demon is probably Satan. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess, but they don't like use that moniker for whatever reason. There's not a lot of dialogue in Doom. No, there's really not. <laughs> nope. It's just like, hey, here's these things you want to kill now, kill them. So I didn't. I'd always enjoyed that kind of like the progression of of like, from Wolfenstein to Doom, where it was like, well, we just made a game where you've kill Nazis and fight Hitler in a mech suit. Where do we go from... What, what's a bigger villain than that? Satan. <laughs> it's like, all there right, is no bigger villain done. than that. Like, That's it. Uh, I saw some... There are some people in the chat that are shocked that Watch Dogs 2 didn't sell very well. It's not that it didn't sell at all. It just... It's expectation. Yeah, it didn't hit their targets. Right. In part, probably because Watch Dogs 1 sold crazy good. Yeah. It sold... Watch Dogs Better than it should have. Well, because there was nothing else, like, made for next gen out at the time. It came out in, like, May. So there was... I mean, it... Watch Dogs 1 was, like, the perfect storm of... Of, like... Of tech and delaying it to just the right window. Yeah. Where people didn't have anything else to buy and play. With their new systems. Because it was, like, what, like... That was, like... 
eight months after the release yeah. of the Publishers systems. just missed that window. Yeah. Can I just say how happy I am that we made it through, Matt? Like, <laughs> man, this summer was tough. Don't be too happy. You're two weeks out from having to play Shenmue. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm just saying. And like, as a fan of Shenmue, I'm gonna. I I can't wait for that. That's gonna, <laughs> like, what does Shane think about playing Shenmue now? Yeah, like, now. I mean, I loved it when it came out, but uh, but man, like, this summer was rough. That is a, that was a tough summer to get through, man. Yeah, there was not a lot to do. There was nothing. I mean, I don't know how we made it, but we did. And now here come all the games. Uh, let's talk about Rage Two, which was the other big temp poll that was shown by Bethesda today. Did you get to check out that stuff? No. So the big focus on... I didn't see hardly any anything. Raycon stuff okay. today. Well, the big focus of what they showed today of Rage 2 was vehicles. You're two up to the minute. Yeah. We, hey, this is Game Face, man. It's the advantage <laughs> of being on Fridays. Uh, the big thing that they showed was like the driving and the racing. Mm-hmm. And it's back. It's, um, it appears to be a little different. It's, it doesn't seem like it's these cordoned off events like the first Rage was. It just kind of organically happens in the open world. There are convoys that roll through, mm. and kind of some of the mission objectives are destroy the convoy. Um, uh, they also talked about... What was the other big thing that they talked about today? Oh, it's set 30 years after the first game. So that kind of makes sense now. If you're wondering, like, why is this so different from the first one? Well, this is set 30 years later after things have kind of come back around. And society's kind of getting back on its feet, and it's not like this disparate struggle for survival. It's more of a struggle over greed than need, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Bases, taking over bases is a big part, but I think that was kind of the focus at E3. Uh, Parts of what they showed today is redundant with what they showed at E3, but they showed kind of new features. Mm -hmm. Uh, They show how... um, like, they show, like, the new upgraded, like, boomerang. Remember the boomerang from the first yeah. game? Well, now it can, like, curve around. It's, like, heat sinking, so it goes around corners and will attack enemies. And you can create, like, crazy combos with the, the boomerang. They're, they have a word for it. I can't remember what it is. Though. It's something like the wing blade or yeah, something Yeah, like yeah, I think that's what it is, actually. Uh, but there's, like, a beefed-up revamp version of that. Uh, there's a... I've never explained how you catch it. No. No, they didn't. <laughs> Uh, they, there's like a, an ultimate sort of, and that you have a meter that you build up when it gets mm-hmm. full, you can do like pull off your ultimate attack. There's no multiplayer whatsoever. There's no, there, they said there's going to be some kind of social hooks in the game, but they haven't elaborated on it yet, mm. but there's no multiplayer. I'm guessing they're not going, people aren't going to be invading your game like they do in Doom, but they said there's some kind of a social element to it that they haven't explained yet. So this is primarily an open world single player Mad Max game that we've all been waiting for. Since the last Mad Max game. No, this is really Mad Max. This is way better than that Mad Max game. At least in concept it is. We haven't played it to well, know maybe if it's on executed foot. Like, well. Mad Max's car combat was pretty dead on. Uh, certainly certainly what they were going for with Mad Max. Were there convoys in the Mad Max oh, game? Yeah. Were there? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't play like any of it. So I played I like know. 80 hours of that damn game. and I, don't I know, know you did. I don't know why. I only stopped because there was some glitch that prevented me from getting the last tire upgrade, and I got mad at it. <laughs> but as someone who only kind of watched Mad Max and listened to you talk about it, um, this seems to be more true to Mad Max than the actual Mad Max game. I would not say that at all. Really? No, like Mad Max didn't do anything like this in Road. I mean, have you seen Road Warrior? It's just like cars ramming into each other. There's no like auto turrets and stuff. I mean, this is way beyond Mad Max. Yeah, the tech is advanced, but yeah. I'm just saying the tone of it and the feel of the game. 
Eh, I, don't, I mean, in the sense that it's an post-apocalyptic sort of like driving in what looks like it could pot potentially be Arizona, uh, Australia, maybe. <laughs> but like, no, it's, I mean, I don't... It's Mad Max in the sense that everything post-apocalyptic with vehicles in owes, a desert. owes something to Mad Max. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched the last Mad Max movie. This looks more like the movie to me than the Mad Max game did. Well, I mean, obviously, whoever whoever made... when The people who made this game liked Fury Road a lot, yes. But uh, uh, until I see some guys wait, wiggling around on the giant bendy poles... Or, play, <laughs> or playing I will uh, guitar judgment. with a gigantic wall of amps... But uh, I'm really excited for this game. Uh, one yeah. thing I will I'm, say... I'm kind of... This is one of the few games I'm sort of continually disappointed it's not coming out this year. Dude, the gun combat in this, in this looks awesome, too. And I will say that it still looks like the AI still is not up to where it was in the last game. I think they just kind of bailed on that concept. Yeah, I wouldn't expect... Especially with, you know, again, I feel like that AI advance that was in the first game was very much id's thing. Yeah. Could be. And I wouldn't really expect that from this. Yep. I mean, based on all the gameplay, it's just simply not in there. Uh, but you're seeing now, like, the base invasion stuff. You're also seeing the wind blade. And right there, I think you'll see it go around a corner or whatever. Um, but the objective, one of the big objectives in the game is to come to a base, go through it, wipe everybody out, and then you push a button at the end, and then, like, a big, massive air purifier drops mm. down from the sky. That's a good point. The, this, these are the people who made Mad Max. Oh, so, it is. It's Avalanche. That's yeah, right. So that would be why that the car, makes a lot of sense. Why the car combat <laughs> has a similar uh, flavor to it. Yeah, I didn't even th put two and two together that it was the same studio. It also makes sense why Bethesda has this team working on it. But um, which one are you more excited for, Doom or Rage? Probably, probably Rage. Yeah. Um, just in the sense that Doom is more Doom. And this looks like it. Yeah. Also, I'm like, I'm an open world fan. Yeah. Like, I like open world stuff, and I want to see what this is and what I can do and what I can blow up and who I can shoot. You know, it's like whereas Doom. I mean, Doom is a very satisfying game. I really like the original, so I'm I'm interested. But like, um, oh, you also get a new ability when you clear out a base. Yeah, and I, so I that like way that. It's a little I, you know, bit like, like Metroid. Yeah, I like that too. Like Rage, Rage is doing. You know, not to really directly compare them too much, but Rage is doing more of the stuff that keeps me playing. Yeah. Whereas, like, Doom... There's the air purifier, whatever the hell they call it, but... Mm. So there's, like, an eco angle to this game. Yeah, you game. got Terraform some shit. I mean, that, <laughs> that was kind of there in the first game, too. They just didn't explore it too much. Like, yeah. That was the idea of, like, the, 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 the cryogenically frozen people that, like, then you're, like, the last survivor of or whatever. Yep. Yeah, and true. I heard that that character, a character you played in the first game is in this somewhere. That you might run into them. It'd be a lot point. older, that's for sure. Yeah. Be, like, geriatric at this point. Maybe he runs... The base, a base or something. Yeah, maybe like probably like fifty or so. I think you were, I think you were a twenty-something military type, like every other game ever. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, for but John me, Goodman's dead. That's for sure. John Goodman's character. Yeah, dead. yeah. For me, I don't know which of these two games I'm more excited for because I like the horror angle of Doom, and I've always liked Doom, and I love the gunplay of Doom, but. Obviously, Rage looks like a far more diverse game because mm -hmm. Doom is, you know, it's a linear shooter. It's yeah. an old school throwback. Rage is more but not too linear. That was that was one of the good things about Doom was like it, it kind of brought back that more maze-driven level design. Find hidden items. That, uh, and... You know, yeah, run around, find. You know, not so much find the hunt the key card thing, but like when you looked at a, at a map of a Doom level from the the new Doom. Like, it was twisty and turny in the way those old... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a Call of Duty, just hallway, you know? But it, 
it twisted and turned, but it never reconnected. Yeah. So it's still like linear level design. There's like you find little arms you could run down and you get like a yeah, armor and then you could or usually jump off something and get back to the main area. Yeah. Or but it felt a, it felt more like something that would have been made in the '90s in terms of how the levels were designed. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And certainly, I think Rage is the more contemporary game, but I don't like the setting and the tone as much as Doom. So. For me, I think it's a wash. Like, I'm really excited for both of them, but I can't really pick my favorite child, I if guess. I, if I was able to pick one to have right now, I'd pick Rage 2. Yep. I prob- If I had to play... Well, I don't know, man. I don't think I could. I have to learn more. I like, uh, I like open world stuff. Yeah. I typically do. But I like the controlled chaos of Doom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the few franchises I feel like can still thrive with that old level design. Right. Well, I will also say, like... I feel like if I want a Doom fix, I could go just play Doom right now. Or you could play one of, like, 20 right. indie shooters right now, because there are so many Circle Strafe shooters coming out. But it's I could like just go play... Mother Gunshit. I mean, there's just tons of them. I could just go play the 2016 Doom, and I feel like I wouldn't have... You know, Get I would, your fix. I wouldn't be missing out on a whole ton of the new stuff in the, in the next Doom. But, like, Rage... To go back, going back to play the old Rage, not... Uh, Compared to this new one? Not working... To, yeah, that's yeah, not going to work out too well for you. Absolutely. So, uh, the only other things that were announced at uh, QuakeCon today, Quake Champions just went free to play, mm-hmm. which is something that should have happened a long time ago. They did give it away for free on Steam for a while, a couple months ago. I, I, honestly, looking back, I cannot completely remember how they've. It seems like Bethesda has tried everything with this game. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like there was a period where I thought it was free to play, but I guess not. They gave it away for because I have it and I didn't buy it. It was a uh, it was given away for free download for a while, like some weekend or maybe a week or something on Steam, like E3 area around there. Yeah. I want to say um, I never installed it, but but I did. <laughs> I did like add I had it to played my own. it. I've spent some time with it, but I realized how rusty I had become, mm-hmm. and the people who were playing it were so freaking good. I just got, oh, yeah. I just mopped the floor with me. I mean, it's also a- by the way, you know, we were talking about the Black Ops Four mm-hmm. demo last week. Another one's up right now, by the way. If you want to go play and you haven't played it yet, and it's on Xbox and PC this weekend now. I don't know. I think it's on all three platforms now. Anyway, it keeps updating for multiple gigabytes on my PS4. It, that's yeah, all I it know. does. And you know how you're saying like you got your butt kicked or whatever, and I was like, oh, I did okay. Oh my god. <laughs> the next like two days playing that thing. Oh my <laughs> god. I just got destroyed. Destroyed. Like I don't know if like the first like 24 hours or whatever, like it was all noobs. But the longer the weekend went on, the more and more I just got completely housed, like, every match. Like, the first couple days, my KD was, like, 1.2. By the end of the weekend, my KD was, like, 0.7. Like, I just got annihilated. Some people are so good at that game. It is mind-boggling to think that they had only played it for a couple days. And, I mean, sure, they had played Black Ops 3 or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. I uh, got, had a rude awakening last weekend. I was like, oh my gosh. And then the matchmaking got, I wouldn't say it got worse, but I didn't have time to play it. And by the end of the weekend, everyone was like level 30 whatever, and I was like level 9. Hmm. And they have these crazy weapons and contraptions that I didn't even know existed. And I was just, yeah, it got really bad. So I'm still going to give it another spin this weekend, though, I think. I think. We'll see how the first couple of matches go. Uh, then Have the fun only, with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then the only other thing from QuakeCon was new content for Elder Scrolls Online. 
But that's it. That's pretty much the wrap on QuakeCon. Nothing from Elder Scrolls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people think QuakeCon and like, what well, has to be like a shooter. It doesn't. Bethesda. It just has to be. It's id. just Bethesda's con, pretty much at yeah. this point. Yeah, or it's like it, I mean, they focus on the id stuff and stuff. Yeah. You know, like Rage is an id game, even if, yeah. if they're not making the sequel. But yeah. like, you know, they, they they keep it to kind of the the id style things. Texas. The they keep it to Texas. Yeah. Which is that whole part of Bethesda that's just in the deep state in the there. heart of. Yeah, pretty much. So. Overall, I think that was a pretty good QuakeCon, though. Yeah. If you go back and look at prior QuakeCons, like, we got a lot more this time than we usually get from it. So, I'm pretty happy with it. Both both the games today, I think, look great. I'm really excited for them. Again, Bethesda continues to impress. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't put out no junk. Yeah, we have to just wait and see when they show gameplay of uh, Fallout 76. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, sure, the stuff they showed at E3 was in-engine, like, right. you know, clear in the game. But we have not gotten a Developer really, walkthrough. Yeah. Where they just play yeah. the game for 10 minutes straight or 15 minutes straight. give you a taste of what it's like to really play the game. We yeah, what's the gameplay yet. loop? Like, we haven't what seen is that, and we're two months out. Yeah. It's hard to believe. When are they going to show it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this was QuakeCon. Yeah, but it's like, they don't keep the Bethesda Studios stuff. They keep the Bethesda Studios stuff separate right, from the QuakeCon right. stuff. Right, but this was an opportunity with a big audience to kind of... Well, maybe Gamescom. No, oh, that's got to be it. Yeah. I always forget about Gamescom. <laughs> I shouldn't. It's like two weeks away. It's going to be a lot of work. So it'll make for some great Game Face episodes, though. So there you go. That's QuakeCon 2018. If anything else pops up across the weekend, you'll find it curated on Sifted. And if it's big, we'll talk about it on next week's show. So now let's shift gears. We're going to go back to an indie game. An indie game that, that oddly enough, is kind of similar to Dead Cells in some ways. Um, It's called Chasm. And this game has also been getting gigantic review scores. Mm -hmm. It's also done very, very well with critics. This game, to me, the most obvious difference between this and Dead Cells is jumping. Platforming, it seems like, in this game is far more prevalent than... Yeah, platform, I mean, this game... It's so, far more difficult, maybe, too? Lots of eh, bottomless pits, acid pits, like... No, I mean, you get hurt a little bit when you when you land an acid or whatever, but it doesn't kill you. Okay. Um, at least not so And I have far. not played this at all. This, so, is, this one's all this you. One, this is a lot more Castlevania. Okay. Um, or Metroid. It's... Uh, so it is still procedurally generated, but it uses a single seed for each save. So your everybody's game will be different, but the 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 game doesn't change when you die. Okay. So if I go through the first section of the f- floor number two, and you die, and I die, and I reload, it will always be the same layout. The level design is exactly. Yeah, the level same. stays the same. It is procedurally generated for my game, and your game would be different, but mine will always be that same layout. Okay. Um. Whether you prefer that or not is sort of a, a matter of taste. Um, in this case, uh, the challenge mostly comes from A, the platforming, uh, B, the fact that uh, you really can't take too many hits, um, especially early on. You do have, there's a leveling system, like, I think Symphony of the Night is probably the closest uh, comparison, which you can even see here in this footage, well, like the way he. Swings I mean, you can just see Castlevania all yeah. over. Well, this. the way he slashes the sword is almost the exact same, like, like you know, really height, quick slash. Same, yeah. yeah. Um, and I gotta say, like this game is uh, to me feels at least early on, it felt harder than Dead Cells, because 
you know, you have the save rooms like Castlevania or Metroid, and if you die while you're out away from those save rooms, game over. Yeah. Start over from that. And so, you know, and the save uh, points are few and far between, even early on. So uh, early on, I had to kind of learn to like not just because dead. That's the other thing is like dead cells teaches you to power forward no matter what. Because even if you die, you just want to you want to get as far as you can. Because like the only way to keep any of your stuff is to finish the section. But this game, you got to do the thing where like, oh, okay, you're you're fighting your way through. You got a good weapon. You got a good piece of armor. But oh, you got hit a couple times because you get you're. I mean, you you have like early on, you have like 60, 60 life points. And getting hit by a, a standard enemy can take off like eight. Jeez. And like you can, and the other the other thing that's not like Dead Cells is touching enemies hurts you, nah. not just getting hit by their attacks. Uh, you don't get you don't get hurt in Dead Cells for the most part by just touching enemies. Um, so you gotta be you know you gotta be on your toes. You gotta be you know where everything's coming from. And if you lose too much life, uh, it's time to backtrack and go back to that last save room and hope you you make it. Because if you don't want to lose oh, that cool thing you just picked up. Like, because it's randomized, you know. You want to know what I think, as someone who hasn't played this, thinks the biggest difference between this and Dead Cells is? Is that there are angled floors. Yeah. So Dead Cells, all the floors are flat. It When you have angled floors, it changes everything. Especially when your main attacks are on a specific horizontal exactly. level. You get to that thing where you're like, how mm -hmm. far down the hill can the enemy come where I can yeah. attack it and it can't touch me? And here's the here's one of the things that is... Uh, um, I don't know if I'd say unique, but it's definitely been one of the wrinkles of this game that I've had to like deal with more than I spent anything else. When you're on one of those, um, when you're on one of those uh, slopes, it changes how you jump. Oh, really? It changes how far you can jump and how, and the arc of your jump. It like it changes your momentum and it takes momentum into account. And that's also true of the enemies. So if you've got, like, you just saw, like, one of those blob things there. Yeah. If one of those blob things is hopping at you, and it's hopping at you on a downslope, it'll come further it'll at you. Farther. And if you're oh, not God. ready for that, it'll hit you in the face, and there's, like, you know, there's one-tenth of your life gone. Oh, wow. Um, you do have a dodge. You have a triangle is, like, a backwards, like, a backdash. But uh, the thing about this game is, like, the animation, you, you're stuck in the animations a lot. Um, like you're, you have to wait for your. You're stuck on the ground while your sword sword swing animation finishes. Uh, if you're ba if you back dash, you have to finish that animation. And if their attack takes them further than your dash, you're still gonna get hit. Right. Um, so you, if you're gonna commit to something, you better be sure that that's what's gonna be the right move for that moment. Um, so it is a very uh, deliberate game, I would say, in a in a way that like Dark uh, Dead Cells isn't. Are Dead's you more cautious when you play this? Anymore? Vastly more cautious yeah. when I play it, because Dead Cells kind of encourages sort of a like a wild improvisation. Yeah, which is part of why it's so appealing. Absolutely. I would say. Yeah. This is a much more methodical. Like, let's figure out what's over here, what's in here. Let's check this guy's pattern. Let's make sure we don't trigger the guy after him before we deal with this enemy. That kind of thing. It's like oh, where you're like inching one pixel at a time. Yeah, there are rooms where I I did that because yeah. like I just wanted you know and everyone's different. You know, like right right there you saw. You know that that rat did its like little rev up attack, and he yeah. does it up the slope, and you, your attack can't touch him because he's yeah. he's kind of coming up. So you have to backtrack or jump over it. There have been sections where I my life was low enough, and I knew like I wasn't you know powerful enough with the current weapon, and I would just jump over everything, and just in the hopes of getting to a new save room. And more often than not, I did not, and I just died anyway. 
But, um, so yeah, this game... I mean, this game really, like, next to Metroidvania in the dictionary, like, there should be a screenshot of this game. Because literally, it looks like every element was either taken from Metroid yeah. or from Castlevania. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, I think it's, I think the procedural generation is one of its weak, weak points, because one of the things I keep thinking as I'm getting through all this stuff is like, yeah, this is fine, but it would be a stronger thing if this had been a handcrafted section that... Yeah. Knew what I was dealing with and knew what I would have to get through in order to get to the save point. And some of this is obviously like, like this room. I recognize this room. Like I've been in this room. So clearly not everything is completely, is completely randomly, randomly generated. Yeah. Clearly there's like some specific places that like are intentionally made. But you, when you load the game up for the first time, it does have like a little seed number on huh. it. So clearly there's some stuff like that happening in there somewhere. What about the story? It seems, I don't know. The, char- the lead character seems awful boring. Um, yeah, he's like a trainee knight of something or other, and there's not a lot of personality. Certainly in the story. not as interesting as Samus. The other thing or is one of the Belmonts. No, the other thing is like it's. Um, it seems very one note. I mean, maybe it gets different later on, but like the whole thing seems to take place in the same mines. Uh. Like, it's, like you're sent to this town to like figure out why everybody's gone or so, like the shipments aren't coming in and like. The whole town's, like, captured down in these mines, and you have to go down and, like, rescue a bunch of people, and as you rescue people, they um, they go up and, uh, um, yeah, they go up to the town, and then you've got, uh, you know, no, now you have a blacksmith, and now you have a woman who sells potions, and now you have someone who can mix tonics, and, like, that kind of thing. Now you have somebody who'll play cards with you if you can find a deck of cards somewhere and bring it back to them. Right. Um, so that's kind of like the the thing there. So, but like there, it is a lot samier than. Uh, although here's your Metroid moment. Yeah, the big elevator. Big elevator. <laughs> fa- big elevator slowly going down a long tube yeah. while the main character stares at you. <laughs> so which of which would you recommend? Dead Cells between these two? Definitely. I would definitely say. De- and they're not I mean, exactly the same. No, I, I mean they're they're different enough that I've been playing both of them and not feeling like they're redundant. Yeah. But if you're only gonna get one of them, like Dead Cells is probably the better game, unless you really hate this sort of Dark Souls-style die-and-start-over thing, and you'd rather have a save-point-driven kind of challenge. Um, if you don't like the whole go th- go back through the same area again, slightly different, to get back to where you were in the hopes that you'll do better this time, then you might want to go with Chasm, because Chasm is a much more standard uh, Castlevania Metroid sort of thing. A lot more personality in Dead Cells. Definitely. Um, and and smoother smoother combat, uh, like yeah. more. You can uh, see that just by watching. Yeah, I mean, but this is like if, you know, some people would if you prefer a more of a throwback to kind of the roots of the genre. Chasm is that. Um, what platforms and how much was it? Uh, it was I mine was mine is on the PS4 and I want to say it was fifteen bucks. So cheaper but, than Dead Cells. But I well. think it was five bucks off for pre-order, or like or like. For PS Plus, the first week or something like that. So I think it might be twenty, but it's so still, a little still, cheaper. But still not much. cheaper. Um, I still recommend Dark Dead Cell. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Dark Cells <laughs> forever. Eventually, um, there will be a game called Dark Cells. I can guarantee <laughs> yeah. it. I, it can't be coincidence that they name their game something so close to Dark Souls. Dark well, Souls, Dead not. Cells. It's the dog whistle um, to the Souls yeah. crew. Yeah. Um, so I think Dead Cells is probably the better game, but Chasm is not bad by any respect. Chasm is very good. In any other week, I would be stuck on Chasm, but right. Dead Cells just has that one more unfortunate one more try sort to of it. release calendar. Schedule well, Chasm is a, was a week ago, right? So Chasm had its had its shot. Yeah. Um, 
and it's you know it fits in it, you know we're we're in a, a an embarrassment of riches in the metroidvania like there's more genre. coming man i mean yeah it's like every day a new one's announced honestly it's funny how like at least like two a week or it's funny announced. how long we went with basically like you know you either you basically you had to depend on nintendo or konami to like grace you yeah, yeah. with another castlevania or metroid for so long and now it's like oh you don't want to do that anymore nintendo and konami the indie game world has you covered five times. Well, these, look, these, five times over in six ways from Sunday. Yeah, and these go. indies are better than the last Metroid. Yeah, they're very good at it. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I really liked uh, the Metroid 2 remake, but like you, you know, there's a very strong case to be made that that fan remake of Metroid 2 was a was better, better game. It yeah. certainly relied more on the Super Metroid flavor. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally see why someone would prefer that in terms of approach. So yeah, if that's the kind of thing you're after, I think Chasm is more true to the old style. Um, Dead Cells is more of a reinvention, um, but uh, it's it's fair to compare them, I'd say. And I'd say Dead Cells comes out on top for me, but I don't mean that as a slam on Chasm at all. Chasm's a very good game. All right, and all right, we're gonna move on. And just to prove to you that I just don't give a crap anymore about YouTube flags, <laughs> we're, we're now gonna talk about Super Smash Brothers. And we're going to show you footage of Super Smash Brothers. Uh, there was a Nintendo Direct this week for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Switch, and pretty much the whole game was just laid out. Yeah. And I mean, it was like information overload. We've been talking about Castlevania a lot in this episode, and we're going to talk about it again because one of the new characters for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is Simon Belmont. And Richter Belmont. And Richter Belmont as a shadow character. Echo. Echo character, sorry. Clone. They're clones. Yeah, come on. Basically like, the give same. Give me a break. <laughs> I gotta come up with a new name for it. But uh, not surprising. Like, I, I guess I was more surprised that it took so long for one of the Belmonts to make it into Smash. I think we may even, I think maybe a year ago, or when we first found out about this, somebody asked us at the end of the show Q&A what characters we wanted to see in Smash Brothers, and I think this was my answer, that I wanted mm. to see one of the Belmonts from Castlevania. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, he's, you know, Simon's one of the longest requested, I think going pretty much going back to the first game. They either also the, murder first, Luigi. Yeah. <laughs> either the first <laughs> game or maybe, maybe when we first started seeing like, like Solid Snake show up yeah. in Melee. Yeah. Um, where like suddenly you realize like oh you can do guest stuff so like then everyone's like oh if, you, if they don't have to be just specific uh, you know Nintendo characters then yeah let's go let's go nuts um, but I feel like um, I feel like what happened here is basically like you know Konami started with Snake and then I think Snake went away in Brawl and then did he and he's coming back for this one yeah. So, but the, but the trick with Snake is that they're just reusing the old asset. So if they're going to build a new Konami asset, they have the opportunity to finally put Simon in. Yep, that's true. So um, I am a little surprised that it's, I mean, not so much because obviously Simon is iconic because he was the first. I mean, uh, to he's me, a, he's the most important Belmont. Um, but Trevor is the star of all the current Castlevania content. Yeah, Trevor is. is the star of the Pachinko game. Trevor is the star of the Netflix series. Uh... And it, Trevor, Trevor feels like he would have a more interesting uh, assist trophy lineup because you had the Castlevania three yeah. kind of 
cast and crew kind of behind him. Yep. I mean, I'm sure they'll be in there anyway. Trevor, Trevor will probably be a uh, a costume for Simon. I mean, they're based because I see why like, with Richter, everyone's like, oh, why is Richter the Echo and not Trevor? Well, I think Richter has a couple of moves that's a you know, new move because the Echoes have a couple of differences. Right. That's, that's yeah, yeah. There's a couple of they're modified exact things. Clones. They're not exactly yeah. yeah. Um, so I can see why Richter would be uh, an Echo, because he needs a few new moves to make him feel like Richter, whereas Trevor is basically Simon with different clothing. Yep. Um, so I would, I would bet that Trevor's outfit will be one of the, the alternate costumes. In the... I mean, Simon, though, is the Nintendo Castlevania guy. Well, I mean, so is Trevor. Has Trevor been on a lot of Nintendo platforms? Trevor has only been in a couple of games, but he was on... Uh, and his, his playable appearances, I think, were Dracula's Curse, which was on the NES. That was. And uh, Castlevania Judgment, that terrible fighting game, which was on the Wii. Oh, you're right. Um, but uh, I'm mostly... I'm uh, just... Trevor's kind of the face of the brand right now, as much as you could call it that. Right. It just, surpri- I mean, it just surprises me he's not in there. But I bet he is in there as, a, as an alternate costume. Um, it's a cool... I mean, it's a cool addition. It doesn't... Uh, doesn't make the game worse. No, that <laughs> doesn't hurt. Sure. <laughs> uh, and it's that's another amiibo I gotta buy. Um, oh, that's another thing. There are amiibo coming. All the stuff we're gonna talk about. There are ami- amiibo coming out for all of it. Oh yeah. If you're a character in Smash Brothers, you get an amiibo. They that's, haven't announced yet the release date for most of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything is getting an amiibo that we're gonna discuss. Even Luigi's corpse. Yeah, <laughs> that is an amiibo I would <laughs> definitely buy. It's funny. That's a very bizarre trailer, isn't it? That uh, Simon. Bell yeah, I, I don't know why they. I mean, I guess it just fits how they treat uh, Luigi these days. But yeah, he's. <laughs> that's why, why he has the death stare. Uh, let's see what else. King K. Rule, the yeah. character nobody wanted. I don't know, man. I saw some footage from Nintendo, the Nintendo World Store, and people were losing their minds when King <laughs> K. Rool showed up. I mean, like people were crying. Like I, I, I mean, <laughs> really? Like people were having they emotional. Cried re- over people King were having K. emotional reactions to a, a CG crocodile that I usually reserve for like the death of pets. Right. Like I don't. <laughs> like I don't know why. I, but you know, Donkey. I'm not a Donkey Kong Country fan though, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is something that community has, I didn't been, think there has were, been pining for. There for many, were many Donkey years. Kong Country fans that were that hardcore. Well, at the same time, what else is left for the Donkey Kong characters, really? I mean, yeah. you've got Diddy and Donkey. I mean, at that point, you're either adding Cranky or K. Rule, right? I'd rather have Cranky. <laughs> I would! Cranky's the best character in that whole lot, if you ask me. Uh, here's another Echo character yeah, Dark, Dark, Dark Samus. Dark Samus, yeah. Um, so also, like, do you? Th- so if there's more to come, I wonder, because like, right now, with the addition of Simon, they have the entire Captain N cast except for Captain N. Yeah. Where's Captain N? Yeah, what the it's hell? Time to bring in Captain <laughs> N. Complete the team. I mean, they're literally running out of characters, though. I mean, it's insane how many characters yeah. are in this game. They should. Be, well, Capcom's still involved because of Ryu, right? Yeah. So where's Arthur? Yeah. We need some ghouls and go- ghosts and goblins up in here. That'd be a great character, actually. Yeah. If he loses his clothes as he takes damage or yeah. whatever, that would be sweet. Um, let's see some other stuff that was announced. There's gonna be 900 songs in this game, Matt. Yeah. Well. There's so many. There are 34 songs, songs just in the Street Fighter category. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, music music so, is a big, big deal in this series, and always has been. It, despite right. what Tommy Tallarico would have. No, you're right. Believe. It absolutely is. Do you remember that when the, when Melee came out and Tallarico gave it like a two out of ten? Cause, yeah. Because the music sucked, <laughs> and I'm like, 
That's the coolest version of Brinstar I've ever heard, he, man. He, I don't know what you're talking about. He, I love Tommy Tallarico. Love what he's done with video games oh, live. Yeah. Love that he's bringing back the Intellivision. But he is absolutely the worst video game reviewer that ever lived. <laughs> ever lived. Well, at least he wrote his own. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Okay, maybe, maybe that other guy's worse than Tommy Tallarico. But as far as people who actually No one wrote could ever, for... ever accuse Tommy of not having his own opinion. No, that's, that's for, sure. for sure. His editorial integrity remains intact. Absolutely. I'll say that much. You always, you always got 100% pure Truth what Tommy believed. What he really believed, absolutely. Uh, there are so many songs in this game that they have set up like this whole like audio suite for it where... You can set up playlists and all this other crazy crap. Like That shows you how, how big of a deal it is. Uh, let's see. They, there are weaker final smashes in this. Mm-hmm. So you don't, I guess you don't have to completely max it out to pull off the finisher. And it just you can do it beforehand, but it just doesn't carry as much of a punch, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the final smashes were always kind of a con- controversial choice. So it, it makes sense to me that they tone them down in an effort to kind of make this more appealing to the, the competitive scene. And, you know, I get the feeling that even Nintendo kind of wishes that, that the community would let go of Melee. Yeah. After all these years. Well, it's going, it's going to now, I think. I think you underestimate really? the Melee. This yeah. game has everything. But it's How not... could you ever want to play another Smash Brothers after this? Because it's not Melee. That's ridiculous. Uh, squad I mean, I, look, I mean, if I never need to see another match of Melee played ever again, I will be a happy person. <laughs> but, like, um, I just, you can't underestimate the, the loyalty to Melee in the Smash community. It is, I mean, I, Smash 4. I'm it, well aware of it. At Evo, Smash 4's finals were on Saturday, and, and Melee's the one that got Sunday. I know. Um, which is probably good, because what happened with Smash 4 was not a, not a happy moment. But, uh, yeah. who boy. Uh, I will say this, I hope they're, hope they're, uh, Making some adjustments to Bayonetta. Yeah. Because I mean, that happened last year, though. Yeah. Bayonetta dominated last year. Yeah. But, like, they got to find They didn't way. do anything. They, they, <laughs> they said they did. Oh, they did? But it didn't really matter. Yeah, obviously, it didn't make a difference. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, a squad strike elimination mode. 32-player mm-hmm. tournament mode, which comes back. It's so weird how they have features in this franchise and then take them away. And then make a big deal about it when they bring them back. Yeah. It's like we had it, and then you took it away. It's hey, that thing you liked is back. Yeah. Well, why'd you take it away? But it's back. It's back. Who, who cares about why we took it away? Uh, there's 103 stages. Yep. That is insane. Well, I mean, they're taking all the stages they've ever made, right? Yeah, and they're bringing and back... And bringing new ones. The, well, yeah, and then they're bringing back the N64 stages, yep. and they're kind of leaving them the way they were originally mm-hmm. built. So that they're like well, then you can, you can also do like like uh, like pretty much like tournament versions of all the other stages. So yeah. like you can basically they simplify them so they're more like you know right balanced for competitive play. Yep. So like yeah yeah, there's a lot. And the stages. I feel like this game is almost like it feels like Sakurai just kind of like all right, fine. Here's all the stuff you keep asking you. for. Just I'm shut up. Tired like, go of away and leave me alone. Or maybe he just really doesn't want to ever make another one. That could be. I mean, hope. I mean, ultimate. Ultimate implies this is as good is as it's it. ever going to get. You know, make it a platform, add stuff to it over the years, port it to the next system if you have to. But, like, this is Smash Brothers from now on, and it'll Done. just be like a living, 
like a living game, you know, just moving yep. forward. I think that would be a wise choice. 103 stages, and the stages will morph from one into another. <laughs> Although, seeing it in practice, I don't know if you can pull that back up, Sam. It's, it's in that, that B-roll towards the end. It Looking at it in practice is not that impressive. It's almost mm. like the world just disappears. You still see the silhouettes of your characters, and then the new stage just kind of appears. It's not like the world's actually, like, melt or morph mm. into like the next stage or whatever maybe sam will be able to pull it up but man i i agree with you i think they're right now they are turning smash brothers into a platform mm -hmm. they are saying this is it it is called smash brothers ultimate yep. appropriately titled but they're throwing everything in it all the characters all the stages all the music it's the whole franchise in one game it to me it renders the rest of the franchise irrelevant to be honest with you mm -hmm. it just seems like why even bother playing any of the other games after this when you can get everything in one and i think you're right i think this is a platform now i think you're not gonna have to worry like i think anything any dlc that you buy any cosmetics that you buy for it i think you're gonna be able to use those forever mm -hmm. i think this is a platform that's gonna be ported over to whatever nintendo's next console is and then ported into the one after that I think all the stuff that you spend money on is just going to carry over. And, I mean, you can't say they're starting with a clean slate. They're starting with a full plate instead. Yep. And they're just going to keep adding accoutrements onto it. And I think this is the final platform for Smash. Um, having seen all this, has it changed your excitement for the game at all? No, because they still haven't shown the thing that I would be most interested in, which would be like a campaign. Uh, there is some, still a mode on the main screen that's blurred out. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know what that is. With any luck, it'll be some kind of story-driven something. Sub, what's called subspace emissary. Subspace emissary was the 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 brawl one. Which yeah. Was it brawl or melee? Melee. Mm. Probably melee if people love it so much. Yeah, people didn't love it so much. They do They're, now. <laughs> I thought you said people love Melee. They, won't they love Melee as a competitive game. Right. Like, oh, you mean a single player. Yeah, about. single player, they're not uh, as thrilled. I mean, because they were basically like Kirby games with everybody running around in it. Um, so, because Melee had like a, Melee had like a campaign-y sort of thing, but Brawl's the one that had the story. They're saying Brawl had subspace emissary. Yeah, Brawl had the one that really attempted to be a story with the cutscenes and the CG and everything. I can't even keep track of the Smash Brothers games, like what one has. And I know there are people out there that are experts that know everything. Well, I remember the first one. They're just all blurred together. I imported the first one. So, yeah. Because uh, it was... I remember I, the first one, too. It's the so one I played the most. All-Star Diranto Smash Brothers. I've never played Smash as much as I played that one again. Mm-hmm. I played a lot. I remember one time we came down for our first E3 and we stayed uh, with some friend, friends of a friend and they had uh, some people staying with them for who were... Uh, Recovering uh, addicts, basically, and and uh, gang members. Like it was, it was like a, like a kind of an AA halfway thing. House. It wasn't a halfway house, but it was like an AA kind of thing. Like just like you know, you could. It was for help. And some of their friends came over to uh, pick them up to go. They were going to go out. We were all we'd come back from E3, and we were all playing uh, Smash Brothers on the Nintendo on the N64. We'd brought it down with us, and they came in to pick people up, and they saw like, oh, what is like, is that is that the Metroid? Guy like beating up guy. the Zelda guy, <laughs> yeah. and like we're like yeah, this is Smash. Brothers. 
And they sat down with us and played Smash Brothers with us. Like, the, I mean, these were like gangbanger dudes. Right. And they sat down with us, and we played Smash Brothers together for like three hours. That's a great story. Like it was like, and they're like, "This is amazing!" Like, what is this? Like, Smash. And of course, it's the Japanese version, so it wasn't out in America right. yet. And like, there and. I was like, yeah, it's, even it's, heard this of it is Smash Bros. Because of that. And yeah. they're like, dude, like, dude, I'm going to buy this one because this is great. This is, he's, like, I, he's like, I haven't thought of these characters in forever. This is amazing. And so, like, Smash Brothers brings everyone together. That's yeah. the great thing about Smash Brothers. But you're saying that all this new news doesn't alter your hype for it at no, all? No, I mean, I'm still going to get it. I mean, I'm glad Simon's in it. Like, I like, I, I like any acknowledgement that Castlevania is still a thing, you know, in this post-Konami yeah. game-making world. Um, King K. Rule didn't do anything for me. Uh, all the music's cool. I mean, look, I mean, I'm in. Like, it's, it's, you're not going to make me buy it more. <laughs> I'm still going to get it. Honestly, it hasn't really changed my impressions of it because ultimately it's still Smash Brothers. Yeah. And I'm just not a big fan of Smash Brothers. And look, if Snake didn't do it and Sonic right. didn't and all the dozens of other characters haven't done it, Simon Belmont and King right. K. Rool aren't going like, to change that I don't know me. what you'd have to put... Like, if I wasn't into it... I mean, I'm not super into it because I'm not a Smash... You know, I'm not a huge Smash Brothers person. I don't really have anyone to play with yeah. offline. And I feel like playing it... You know, I've played it online on Brawl and on uh, Wii U. And I felt like it was not really a an ideal experience, no, shall we absolutely say? absolutely not. Um, so, like, if I wasn't going to get it, if I was not, you know, not convinced, um, wh what would convince, like, who could they announce to get me in? Uh, Is there anyone left? Like, it's like, like everyone. You'd, you'd have to go crazy far afield. It would have to be, like, Godzilla right. or something. You know, it'd yeah. be, like... Something extreme. Some crazy, weird, like Optimus Prime. Something like, they'd never know, do, probably. Yeah, yeah. like... You know, you'd have to go, like, in, into, like, a realm of pop culture that you just... You know, Batman. Yeah, like the like the eight bit right. version of Batman yeah, from the yeah. NES game, like something like that would be like, oh, that'd be cool, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, some I, I feel like none of the guest characters have ever really matched the hype of Solid Snake. No. You know, Solid Snake showing up was just such such a surprise and such a crazy choice, and then they did and it up so very well. Yeah, they did yeah. it up so well. Yeah. With I the think stage that may have been the and last all the time yeah. I actually cared about Smash Brothers. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like it's hard not to care when you've got all these characters because also he had the pedigree of the NES era and like yeah, it just it was so exactly what Smash Brothers should be. Um, and I like, you know, that you've, we've moved forward. You know, actually, you know what, it, what would put me over the edge if I wasn't already in. Uh, uh, Kaz Kazuma Kiryu, yeah. the guy from Yakuza. Yeah, yeah. If they put, there's no reason you for him to be in happening. there at all because he's a PlayStation <laughs> exclusive. Whatever. Yeah. Although yeah. the uh, one and two HD were on uh, Wii U. This never yeah. came over here. Yeah. Uh, I Look, would. I, I I'm very that. happy for Smash fans because if you're a Smash fan, you have to be losing your mind over this game. I mean, it is the ultimate Smash Brothers game, and for people mm -hmm. that have loved this franchise all along. I'm very, very happy for them. They're going to have a game that they're going to be able to play for the next three years or longer, or maybe the rest of their lives, in all honesty. So I'm very happy for them. It's just never been a franchise that uh, has resonated with me, despite being a fan of pretty much every single character that's in the game. I would rather have like a one-on-one -on -one fighting game with all these characters than have this arena-based platforming whatever. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I, I haven't played it a lot, since probably since Melee. I was really freaking good at me. I wasn't like competitive good at melee, like yeah. you know the four thousand inputs right. per minute kind of thing. <laughs> but I like I pretty much never lost as Link among my friend group, uh, to the point that people didn't want to play it anymore. Yeah, like, it was uh, 
which is sort of the story of my life with fighting games. It's like I, at a certain point, I was like, "You really think this is fun to play with you?" With these, well, it's probably no fun. Well. It's no fun for us, and it's no fun for you either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to get any better if I'm just playing. No, people you won't. Don't know. If you're just playing people like us, the rank and files, you have to get up, get into that Evo yeah. pool, man. The one game that did—that's uh, the thing—is I'm kind of between. I'm like, I'm too good to play casuals, and I'm not good enough to play real players. You might be able to win a match at Evo. Uh, again, that would actually Evo, be a fun I, thing to do. In it's a like, pool, how like, do you go to Evo and then us shoot like a mini documentary of your In a experience? pool of like 3,000 people, I probably wouldn't lose my first match necessarily. Yeah. But like, I mean, I've gone to tournaments and did okay. I got yeah. in the top top 16 on things a hey. couple times on the, the early Marvel games. Of, but like, I mean, not like local stuff. Not yeah. like Not like real things. Not, not like SoCal regionals or anything. Yeah. But uh, Would you be into doing that? Eh. How much is it to pay to get into Evo? I don't know anymore. I don't even remember. I haven't been when I last time I went to Evo. You didn't have to pay to get into Evo, right. but I mean to enter. <laughs> to like, enter, I don't know. All right. Well, if we're still around yeah, a year we'll from now, I would be very interested in doing that, and we would pay like your way in and everything, and yeah, you're just st- still sending me to Vegas. It's not a. It, we may not be there very long. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a great idea and really interesting because you are good enough to. Wear, if I did it, it would be a joke. Everybody would mm-hmm. know I'd go there. I'd lose my two matches and I'd be gone. That might be more entertaining. No, no, it'd be way better because you actually have a chance to like maybe, you know, hop up a bracket or two. So anyway, we'll see. But anyway, that's Smash Brothers Ultimate. I don't know what else. I mean, other than that one mode, what's left to really unveil about it? it well, I mean, it, it's it's like the 103 stages is just what we know so far. Clearly, there's more. Yeah. Um, um, they're not done. We'll see. But I feel like we've got more characters to go. Probably, but I think I would say most people at this point have figured out whether they're going to buy oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think most people knew they were going to buy it the instant no, you're right. it was, they was announced, announced or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But dep- I mean, I, I know, you know my girlfriend is a Castlevania nut. I mean, Castlevania is her favorite thing of all time. Dracula, Castlevania 3 is her favorite game of all time. Um, and of course, all her friends are like, oh, you're going to get a Switch and Smash Brothers now, huh? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, it's like I'm gonna buy the Amiibos, right. but like she's like I don't, I didn't, didn't care about Smash Brothers, and even Simon Belmont is not enough, not enough to make her care sixty dollars. It was really, really three hundred and sixty dollars because she needed a Switch. Yeah, doesn't um, work on me either. Like I said, all these characters have come and gone through the years. It was never enough to get me back into it. Yeah, so it is what it is. Maybe if it was Trevor, because she likes him better than Simon. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're gonna talk. Our last topic of the of the week is We Happy Few. Uh, this is a game that's been floating around for quite a while. Yeah, I played like a demo or something of it like two years ago. I mean, a long time ago. Yeah. Like, did this start as a Kickstarter thing? It did. Yeah. It okay. blew my I had forgotten. It completely blew my mind to be reminded that this game started as a Kickstarter game. And then think about this. The studio gets purchased by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You went from... We don't have enough money to make this game. People gave them the money to make a game, and then they were purchased for, yeah. like... I'm wondering if the studio is going to kick down some of the money to its Kickstarter folks for the purchase. No, that's not how that works. Yeah, funny how that doesn't work. If well, I had, if it were me, I would absolutely try to find a way to kick some money down to the people. At least try to give some money to the people who backed, like, hardcore. I don't know if that's legal. Why not? To yeah. just give somebody money? Uh... Well, you'd have. I mean, it'd be obvious why you were doing it. That would be it's still fine. It's just a gift. Eh, you can give a gift to anybody. Companies don't really do that, though. I would. If I got built a game on Kickstarter that got my company purchased by Microsoft, I absolutely 
would give the top 10% of my backers money. And then the, and other, if I had to and fly, then the other 90% of the backers would burn you to the ground. And if I had, look, if I had to fly to their house to hand them the money in cash so people couldn't trace it, so be it. But, hmm. I mean, think about it. They just became millionaires on the backs of people who gave them money. I don't think they became millionaires. Yeah. They definitely bought well, that Well, like studio. the two people that own it or something, but I don't think everybody who works on this game is a millionaire. No, I'm not talking right? about every employee. I'm mm. talking about, like, the founder of the studio. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be more inclined to give the employees the money before I gave the Kickstarter backers the money, but... I don't know. That's a dicey proposition, actually. I don't know who I would give the money to first. I There has to be some kind of legal thing about doing that like that's eh, it's only against the law if you get caught yeah well <laughs> i think we learned a lesson about that this week yeah, that's true good point uh so anyway this game has had been in the early other thing access. of course is like if now you made this you did the kickstarter you made this now you bought by microsoft now the heat is on yeah well here's the thing is now that i've spent a good chunk of time playing this game i think microsoft was insane for buying this <laughs> studio it's not bad and in fact I would say the first three hours, I really enjoyed it. That's when you're discovering the world and the plot and who you are as a character and all the gameplay systems. And, and when you're discovering all that stuff, this game is freaking awesome. Like, I think most people who buy this game, when they first start playing it, they're going to be very, very happy that they bought it. The problem is, after a while, after the discovery ends, and you just have to use the systems to make your way through the game it starts to turn into an, almost an annoying to play. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you who don't know anything about it, it's set in an alternate 60s England. Um, essentially what's happened is that the everyone in society was forced to, apparently the Nazis in Germany won the war, and everyone was forced to give their babies to the Nazis, and they've been taken away from them. So... To keep people from committing suicide and thinking life isn't worth anything, they all take these drugs. It's called joy. And when the game starts, you are in this messed up society, and you are a vetter of content. So essentially, you sit and you work at this terminal, and news articles come down into this like tube like it would have at the bank back in like the 80s or whatever. And you look at the piece of content, you decide whether it needs to be censored, or whether you're going to let it run. So you're essentially the censorship board. And uh, what happens is a story comes up in your machine and it's you and your brother. And you had forgotten, like everyone's forgotten their past. This drug like just basically wipes your brain and just makes you deliriously happy. And when you see the article of you and your brother, you remember that you had a brother. And then you can make the decision at that point whether you want to wipe it out or let the article stay out in circulation and then you're presented with the idea of do i want to take the drug because now you're in pain because you remember you had this brother that you loved you have no idea where he is you have no idea if he's alive or not and you make the decision you can make the decision to take the drug or not well in my game i decided not to take the drug and the people around me discover that i did not take the drug it all happens with that scene that we just saw where you think it's a pinata, or everyone thinks it's a pinata, but it's actually a real animal that you bash. And everyone's eating it, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not on my drugs right now. That's a real freaking animal. And you freak out. And everybody sees you freak out, and they're like, oh, you're not taking your drugs. And they start running after you. And you escape. And that's how the whole game starts. And it is amazing. Like, 
again, the first few hours with this game are really, really incredible. The tone, um, the writing, the voice acting, the music, everything about it is so amazing. But then you settle in to actually playing the game and that's where it starts to come up short. I'll say one thing, it is way better than it was when it hit early access. Mm. Way more polished. Like the, I could hardly play the early access version because the frame rate was so bad. There were so many glitches and bugs and they've cleaned up a lot of that. But eventually you start, it's a survival game. So there's crafting. You have to constantly make sure that you're full of food and water. One thing I will say about it though, is that the, uh, the food and water won't kill you. So if you're thirsty or hungry, you don't die, but it affects other parts of the game. So you have a stamina bar that governs like everything in the game. It governs how much you can run. It governs how many punches you can throw or how many times you can swipe with your melee item. Um, and that is governed by food and drink. And uh, what's the other one? There's one other, I'll, I'll, maybe just sprint is governed by by it as well. So it's mm -hmm. they're not like deal breakers where if you let it go down, you're walking around like half a mile an hour and you can't fight or anything like that. It just it just nerfs you a little bit, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but you have, you're constantly collecting trinkets, you're constantly crafting lock picks, like you need lock picks constantly. So you're always trying to find bobby pins that you can craft into lock picks. Um, there's risk and reward with the lock picks because sometimes you unlock a lock and there's like nothing there, which I think is really dirty. That's driven me crazy a couple different times in the game. But honestly, what ultimately happens is there's no guns. At least I haven't come across any guns yet. It's all melee combat. And eventually you get to the point where you can't win all the fights with melee combat and you're forced to use stealth. And the alerts on the enemies in this game are incredibly annoying. Like Metal Gear, we always kind of laughed at it because like you'd alert somebody, they come and look for you. And literally, like, five seconds later, they give up. And you'd be like, mm -hmm. I'm laying right here, bro. You can see me, and you gave up. Well, this is the exact opposite. They never give up. So if you get detected, you can try to fight your way out of it, which you can do if you have, like, one or two enemies. But eventually, like, you get to parts in the game where, like, for instance, your clothing is very important. How you what you wear, how you represent yourself can literally make an entire town attack you. Like a whole town, like 30 people like want to kill you. And when that stuff happens, and it happens pretty regularly, and you try to hide to get away from them, I've sat in a trash can literally for like five minutes, hmm. trying to wait out the enemies so they'll leave. They just won't. And Shane plays games to escape. Yeah, he <laughs> so literally. He doesn't want to do literally what he doesn't realize. Escape. And again, this part of the game is awesome. This is in the beginning. Like you've escaped and you've kind of found this new town or civilization and you get thrown into a fight club not only do you get thrown into a fight club that guy there is someone that you got fired earlier in your lives because he was a newspaper reporter who plagiarized you haha ha, funny mm. how that worked out and he's bringing it up he's like oh you got me you got me sacked mate because you said i copied your article he's like well you did copy my article and then you end up fighting him and you can choose whether to use like a <laughs> like a padded club, or you can choose a stick that'll kill the guy. Mm. So there are lots of decisions throughout the game, and I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know like ultimately if those all pay off in one way or another. Um, but eventually, a lot of the game ends up coming down. Even when fighting to... an arena, that guy looks extremely British. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But ultimately, the game ends up being a lot of stealth, because you're just not given the weapons that you need to 
take out like large groups of enemies. So mm-hmm. you can use bottles to distract. You can throw bottles like in the corner of a room and they all run over. Then sometimes you can sneak up and kind of like assassinate them or put them to sleep or whatever. But for the most part, you end up getting overrun and you end up hiding. And that's when the game just turns into a big, boring pile of crap. Um, I don't know. I'm about, I guess, eight hours in. The other thing, too, is the game is split up into, like, chapters. And each chapter focuses on one person, which is something that I think is really cool. So you get to experience a character's, like, full arc, and then that chapter closes, and you start with another character as the main focus of the story. And that does kind of break it up and keep it from being so monotonous, at least story-wise. But, I don't know. I I burned out on this game really quickly. Because, ultimately, its systems just don't hold up to scrutiny. And mostly it's just the stealth stuff. But, unfortunately, it's a big, big part of the game. So, I don't know. If you're rich and you can afford to buy a game and only enjoy it for three or four hours, then I would say get it. If you need more than that out of a purchase, then I would say steer clear. Yeah, I, I haven't played this because it's just, outside of that, you know, two years ago or whatever. I just, the, the survival stuff doesn't appeal to me at all. And to combine that with the stealth thing, and it's just like, mm, nah. So I will probably, you know, basically take a pass on this one, at least until it's like 10 bucks maybe. Because I'm curious, but like, not curious enough to throw that kind of money at it. Another thing that drove me crazy about this game is the loading times are insane. Insane, Matt. Like, literally, it, it's not, it looks like it's open world when you're watching this B-roll, but it's not. It's like, load, give you a big chunk of territory, go to open a door, load. And literally, some of the loading times were like three or four minutes long. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen loading this bad. And this game has been in development for forever. It's already been in early access. The loading is terrible. So it's like No Man's Sky shader loading load times. It, it, it's ridiculous, dude. Um, what other notes did I have? Yes, his sprint and stamina are what's affected by uh, eating and drinking. Uh, the skill trees, we just saw those. There's three of them. There's one for combat, one for stealth, one for super duper, which is just like a kind of a catch-all for the more powerful abilities. Uh, there's lots of lore and docs and stuff like that to read. So if you're into that that type of stuff, and they're very well written and do provide a ton of insight into what's going on mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of get you deeper into the story. Um, well, I did a great job. I just looked at my notes and <laughs> I, I mentioned everything. So, yeah, I do not recommend it. The first three hours I spent with this game, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to talk about this on Game Face. I'm going to... You know, I'm going to tell everyone they need to buy it. And then literally within a couple hours, I was like, oh, no. Sounds like everybody should just go watch The Prisoner instead. <laughs> it's a shame because the concept is really cool and really unique. But ultimately, it has to be a video game. You have to enjoy playing. And I just, and again, I'm not a big survival game guy anyway. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it a lot on the show how neither one of us are huge survival folks as far as games are concerned. Um, so maybe you get a little bit more enjoy it, enjoyment out of it than I did if you're into those types of games. If you're into Conan and stuff like that, maybe. But for me... It, I just never quite got over my initial assumption that it was like a Bioshock game. Yeah. Well, it does have kind of that tone. Yeah. And you get that vibe. Again, the first few hours of it, you get that vibe. And you think it's building to something incredible. And then it settles into the gameplay loop and the groove of what the game actually is. And that's when you realize it's not Bioshock. (laughs) Uh, There's no, at least as far as I've played, there's no projectile weapons in the game at all. Mm. 
Um, it's all melee, hand-to-hand, -hand, or just using like bats and things like that, or tire irons, or like pipe conduit and stuff like that. So, interesting concept, flawed execution. In my opinion, huge mistake that Microsoft bought this studio. I don't know what, I mean, like like you said, they probably didn't buy it for $100 million or anything crazy. Or maybe also, also Microsoft the, feels like, okay, these guys have the tone yeah, they can make and a, the scenarios right. They but can get a game out the door. They just need some maybe some guidance. and Or just rely on Microsoft for tech. Yeah. I mean, there's... I, I can certainly see, you know, maybe, you know, this game gets too far enough down the chain that, like, you can't just suddenly change it into something that's not. But, like, I, I can see why Microsoft would look at this and see the potential. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing that says they got to make the same game every time. Uh, look, I would love another game in this universe. I think it's amazing. Like, what, what they've crafted is great. It's just ultimately when they had to build a game around the concept, it just didn't turn out too well. So... I would say, oh, they'll listen to feedback, and the sequel could be way better, but in all honesty, this game was released in early access like a year and a half or two years ago, and they still didn't really get it to a place where I was enjoying playing it. So, mm. I don't know, folks. Uh, hopefully Microsoft didn't spend too much money. Hmm. But They got the money to spend. Maybe Microsoft would have been smarter to just headhunt a couple of the guys who came up with sort of the concept and the tone of the game. They need people on, and they need developers. I think, but I think that shows just how desperate Microsoft was to get developers. Possible. But again, you know, they, they had a concept and they, they got it to, to fruition from scratch, you know, they to, did. just to, into something that I could look at and be fooled into thinking was a Bioshock equivalent. I mean, that's not everybody can do that. I, I agree, and I agree that's impressive, but I don't think it's impressive enough that a company like Microsoft buys the studio. Mm. Microsoft needs studios. Although, if Mars I, needs women. If like, I had founded an indie studio, or I was working at an indie studio, or I was thinking about founding an indie studio, seeing what happened there gives you a little yeah, bit of hope. But I mean, like, the the... Some of Microsoft's developer purchases here are definitely uh, rolls of the dice, but yeah. I think that's what they need to do because they need the next great talent, and they need to not—they need to not break the bank buying it. They need to do something, and, and, so, they, and it did. So I can see why you would take a gamble on these guys. Like we'll see what they come up with next. Versus like the, the Dead Cells team or Dead Cells team is cool, but like a their game wasn't done yet, and b. Dead Cells team never going to make a game that does something like if you, if you manage to get another Bioshock out of these people. Well, they, look, they did build a 3D game as well. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of a cut above just a typical oh, yeah. indie developer. They but. realized that art style, they, you know, they, they, they did it. They just didn't do it in an exact method that interests me. But as, if I'm Microsoft and I see that, I'm like, well, these guys can get the work done. All they need is the, pro is the IP. Yeah. And so you know, then you start workshopping that with them and making it something that will have maybe a little more broad appeal and uh, you've got something, you know, because that one way or the other, that initial trailer for that game sure made an impact it did. back in the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And that's sometimes more pop, more important. <laughs> it's sad, but true. True. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so there if you go. If you're Microsoft, all you, what you need is to get people excited about some shit. Yeah. And these guys, I think, have the ability to do that. We'll see if they can follow through in the end product. But. I would agree with that because I was really excited in the first three hours of this yeah. game. Like, I started playing it and I was like, oh my god, this may be... I literally was thinking, like, am I playing, like, a Game of the Year candidate? Like, at first, mm -hmm. like, that's the impression that it gives you. You're like, 
if they can keep this momentum going, this game's going to be amazing. And then yeah, well, see, I just I think that keep that keeping the momentum going thing. I think that's something you can teach in workshop. I'd agree. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree but you can't always you can't necessarily teach in workshop a beginning like that. Like that that is a you know you got to know how to do that, creativity know. cannot be taught. No, either, and that is you like, either have it or you don't. You and can hey, either come up with something out of nothing or you can't. And hey, I would even say Irrational fell into the exact exact same trap with Bioshock Infinite. No, you're right. First three hours of that game are amazing, and then it just sort of unravels. Yeah, funny what happens when you have to figure out a way to keep someone engaged for like 15 mm -hmm. hours instead of a couple hours. But so there you go. We happy few. I think a few of you will be happy if you buy this game, but most won't. But not we. Yeah, but not we. Not us. We. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. And as those of you who know, who watch the show regularly, it's time to get your questions into the chat as well. Uh, there were tons of great trailers. We just showed you like 20 of them in the last couple hours. Uh, but we chose one that wasn't a part of our other discussion. And this is for a franchise that has been gone for a while, but a lot of people seem to love it. I've honestly never played it. Torchlight. Have you played the Torchlight games? Yeah, I played Torchlight 1 and 2. Yeah. I've never played any of them. I was actually really surprised at how popular this trailer was on sifted.net it did a ton of views and got a bunch of likes and comments and things like that well, it's also because so, it's like the people who made torchlight went out of business right so yeah the fact that it's back is is nice yeah. um and i mean torchlight if i remember right those were some of the guys that made the original diablo they are yeah absolutely um, and like it, it showed especially in torchlight 2 torchlight 2 was a, a really good dungeon crawler yeah i mean they're basically isometric action rpgs just mm -hmm. like diablo and uh it looks like that's what we're getting here check out the debut trailer here we stand, defending the walls of civilization. The strongest, the bravest, the best. But beyond those walls, there are vicious goblin hordes, ready to make us their next meal. The land and skies are filled with heartless scavengers, corrupted by ember. Massive infestations of mindless beasts, consuming everything in their path. Shambling, unearthed dead, clutching at the living. Unspeakable horrors from beyond the grave. They all outnumber us, and they've cornered us. But they've also underestimated us. And now, you are here. Remember, Torchlight! Free the Frontiers! There you go, the return of Torchlight. Yep. Something I know nothing about, other than its genre. I never played any of the Torchlight games. Uh, Torchlight 2 is worth playing. You'd probably get it for like four bucks or something now. Um, let's see, I saw somebody in our chat who said they've been around since the Invisible Walls days. Thank you very much for checking us out, man. Appreciate it for your long-term support. I think that was Commander Fett. Yep, that's right. Thank you, Commander Fett. Thanks for the support all through the years. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, let's see. Well, where's W. Matthews' question? We have to answer one of his every week. Hmm. And here it is. Uh, first thing, called it. Monster Hunter World is the best Steam launch game of 2018 at 240K peak concurrence. Uh, for my question... What niche or weird game do you think more people should play? Me, Yakuza 0, because it just released on PC and just beat it. I mean, I would also say Yakuza. 
I don't look at those as niche and weird, though. They're pretty weird. I think of, like, um, games like Animal Leader and stuff like that as, like, weird. Or, like, Katamari Damas Damashi. I mean, like. those are also weird, but in Yakuza, you win a chicken in a bowling tournament and keep him and call him Nugget. I mean, that's yeah. pretty weird. And if I had a chicken, I would Yakuza call him two, Nugget. Yakuza 2 is a <laughs> quest where you try to help a bunch of, uh, of uh, like, mafia dudes, and then you accidentally find out that they're all role-playing as babies yeah. in a secret room behind their storefront. Those are like I mean, weird moments in otherwise yeah. mostly normal games. I'm talking about just games that are just whacked out weird from the get-go. Yeah, but I mean... I, I mean, Katamari Damacy to me is like the poster Well, child. sure, but also the fact that he mentions Yakuza 0 means Yakuza counts, so I'm still going to say Yakuza <laughs> because it's, the, it, it's a game, it's a series that should be played more, and now it's on PC, and Yakuza 0 is the A, the best game in the series, and B, the best first game to play to get into the series, so there's no reason not to. Also, it's cheap on PC. Yeah. I would say any Katamari game. I would also say uh, it's called Cubivore in the United States. It was called Animal Leader in Japan. And it's this crazy GameCube game where you play as an animal and then you attack other animals and then you kind of absorb parts of those mm -hmm. animals from the animals that you... It's very, very weird. Mm -hmm. the, and it can be yours for a mere $300 on eBay. Is that how much it is? Cubivore is one of the most expensive GameCube games. Really? On the secondary market, yes. I did not know that. Well, then I guess you really can't play it then. No. Because <laughs> I do not recommend paying $300 for the game. I have an import of that, actually. I have, like, the Japanese version of that game. I don't know how I ended up getting it. I didn't buy it, but it's in my collection for some reason. Those are two really weird games that are kind of fun to play. Um, or you can just play almost any Japanese game. <laughs> even, even Japanese games like Yakuza that aren't really meant to be weird end up being weird a lot of the times. Yeah, I mean, if you just want, if weird is the main criteria rather than good and less, lesser known, then just go play the, uh, the Hattiful Boyfriend game. Yeah, where, there you where go. You, where you date the pigeons. <laughs> and one of the pigeons turns out to be a serial killer who may also be Satan. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also, go at Sifted Games if you want to ask us a question. It's easy for us to pluck them out of the chat. Um, here's one from Vincent from Sifted. What's up, Vincent? Hope you're having a good night, brother. Uh, do you think Red Dead Online makes launch? If not, do you think it hits it, it hits this year? I think it makes it in some form. Yeah. I think it'll be just like GTA V, where you get, like bare bones at the beginning and then they just start building on top of mm -hmm. it and next thing you know it's just another juggernaut like gta online but yeah i think you have to have it there at launch because you want people to buy it knowing that it's there not that it's going to be there that it's there mm -hmm. um, and granted most people who buy red dead 2 are probably going to be playing the campaign for the first month or more that they have it so it does give you maybe a little bit of wiggle room but I think if you're going to put that on the box and you need that as a selling point, I think it needs something needs to be there at launch. So yeah, I think it will be there at launch, and I think we'll get a trailer for it within the next few weeks, at least a rough idea, kind of like the dry-ass trailer we just got for the campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think we'll see that promoted in the next couple weeks. You got one, Matt? Um, Tomb Raiders 11 says there were some rumors that Microsoft is attempting to buy Obsidian Entertainment this week. What studio would you get Microsoft to purchase next if you could choose for them? I mean, Obsidian's a pretty good get. Uh, it especially, is. Especially if the other option is to let them slowly vanish. Problem is, there's not a lot of really great independent studios left. Yeah. Like, they're all getting snatched up by somebody. Well, that actually, Remedy. 
That actually ties in with where uh, Major Tom six nine one asks, you know, with all the developer purchases and mergers that happened recently, what does it say about the long term health of the industry? Because there's a philosophy that says mergers and consolidation generally happen when a market starts gr stops growing. It's true. It is true. Or when everybody's terrified. But I think we're fortunate in that there is an independent scene. Yeah. And the, the way the tools work. And I also love the way that companies like Epic work with smaller studios where they're like, hey, use our engine for free. If you start making money off of it, just give us a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that in like film or any other entertainment medium. Like if you want to play, you got to pay. In video yeah. games, you can... You could come up with a smash hit with if you just got a group of five friends who are really skilled and you have a good idea. You can actually, you don't need a lot of money. You just need a lot of uh, human capital to make it happen. Uh, and so I don't see games ever getting to a point where it's just the whole industry owned by like five megacorps mm -hmm. and it's stymieing innovation. I think innovation is what suffers the most when conglomerates sort of come about. And I don't think that'll ever happen with games, just purely because of the indie game scene and the fact that middleware uh, developers are working with indie folks to make sure that there's that steady stream of content and only get rewarded whenever it actually does well. Um, so yeah, I, I think games are kind of an anomaly as far as entertainment is concerned in that way. Um, oh, I didn't ever say a studio. I never did say a studio. Mm. Um, Remedy. I mean, why didn't Microsoft buy Remedy? Because they didn't like how Quantum Break performed. I would buy Remedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're a very skilled developer that is out there for the taking right now. Um, Gearbox, maybe? Mm. They make games that sell. I don't particularly like Gearbox's mm, games, but it's hard to argue with the numbers. Game. What do they make that sells? Well, what do, they, what do they make, period? Borderlands. They haven't made Borderlands in a long time. Yeah, but one's coming. Yeah, maybe, probably. It's coming. They're not going to just bail on Borderlands. Um, I mean, Obsidian's a good pick. It is a good pick. I could maybe get behind Microsoft buying Telltale and whipping that into shape. Um, You'd be cornering the market on that style of game. Aside from Don't Nod, yeah. Yeah. But um, is that does that matter anymore? That genre's kind of become a bit irrelevant. But you could make it relevant again by revamping their tech and making it something yeah. to be excited about again. That's true. That's what I mean. That's true. Um, and uh, there was another one that I was thinking of. Well, I mean, Naughty Dog is independent, right? It's not owned by Sony. I think they must have some deal with Sony. Yeah. So something must be ha there. Must be some contracts there. That's what I'm guessing. Um, Insomniac. Buy Insomniac. Mm, yeah. Can you think of a I better would, developer to buy than Insomniac? No, but I also <laughs> wouldn't want that to happen to Insomniac. No, no, I wouldn't either, but they Who asked for Sucker, a good Did Sony studio. own Sucker Punch? Did they buy Sucker Punch? Um, are they their own company? I can't remember. I think they're independent still. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't know. The only reason I'd want Microsoft to buy any of these companies would generally be if I thought they were about to go out of business. Yeah. It's like if the, if the choice is that company ceases to exist or then they work under Microsoft, uh, I'll take work under Microsoft. But in general, I would prefer something like Obsidian to remain independent. Uh, Johnny Hurricane is pointing out that GTA Online servers on day one were terrible, and he's absolutely right. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if that happens with Red Dead Redemption 2 either. Mm -hmm. Although you would think Rockstar would have kind of learned its lesson by now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't, and there's problems on day one. 
But again, when you have that 60 hour campaign sitting there, people are just gonna be like, eh, whatever. I'll just play single player. And by the time I get done with that, the uh, server should be fixed. And that's probably accurate. Um, yeah, here's Major Tom 691 Here's a thought for you. Why didn't Microsoft buy Insomniac? Yeah, it's a good question. Didn't want to spend the money for it, I guess. Maybe they're not for sale. Tomb Raider says Naughty Dog is owned by Sony. Yeah. A couple people said it. Naughty Dog wholly owned by Sony. Sucker Punch owned by Sony, too. There you go. Uh, any other questions, guys, before we go? Oh, here's, here's one last one. From Commander Fett, a fan from way back. Uh, do you think Smash Ultimate will be the best-selling Switch game? Like ever? Yeah, I think he's saying like when it's all said and done. I don't, I don't think it's gonna outsell Zelda and Mario. It might. Wait, didn't Mario Kart already outsell Zelda Mario and Mario Kart? I don't know if it'll be. I mean, it'll be a big seller. I don't know. I think Mario Kart usually is the best-selling game on every Nintendo platform. It's usually a Mario of some form, yeah. Yeah. Was Mario Kart up like thirteen million or something like that? It's over ten million already. I know. Mm -hmm. And that's just a I mean, maybe of like the... Lifetime, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Smash Brothers is. that. I don't know. To answer your question, age. no. I, I don't think Smash Brothers will be that. I mean, I Pokemon Go might. Pokemon Let's Go might. Yeah, it's possible. I feel like Pokemon Let's Go is gonna outsell Smash Brothers. Probably. I think the original Pokemon game for Switch might outsell them all. That's also possible. Yeah, if it ends up being like really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Smash though. Um, like I'm a, I love Nintendo's games, but I don't really like Smash Brothers, and there are others like me. So it's gonna do very, very well. I think life by the lifetime, it'll probably sell 15 million when it's all said and done. But I think you're gonna need to sell more than that to be the best-selling Switch game. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. as more and more systems get sold and yep. bigger and bigger games come out. Absolutely. Uh, it might see. be their most lucrative. As far as profit? If you, if you factor in, like, later downloadable content and stuff. I mean, look, Smash is 100% a profit deal, as Pac yeah. would say. It's a profit deal. They will probably, you're right, they will probably, as far as what they spent on development, well, the licenses might be a little steep, but what they spent on development versus what they make, it may be the most profitable mm -hmm. of all Switch games. Yeah, it's possible. Um... And Tosca says that Ted Price has said several yeah. times over the years that Insomniac is not for sale. Yeah, that would, would have been my, that was my guess. Like, why would you sell Insomniac? Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who has subscribed via Twitch Prime throughout the show. I see Johnny Hurricane did it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Unfortunately, I missed all the other people who have done it, but I just want to thank you guys uh, for doing that. If you're watching this on YouTube, there are directions down in the description that'll show you how to do it it literally takes like a minute and you can give us uh two dollars and fifty cents every month you do have to redo it every single month which i think is really annoying but once you've already linked your accounts it literally takes five seconds to do it every month after you've done it the first time so thanks to everybody who did it tonight thanks to everyone who's done it in the past everyone have a safe and great weekend game face is up and out